Hey Brent, good afternoon. Let's give everyone a few more minutes. Thank you for attending. Yes, Brent. Are you at the rally right now? Yes. Can you hear the background music? Yeah. I'm going to ask a bunch of questions by randomly picking up people. It's going to be hilarious. My, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a journalist. This is a total hobby. <laughs> right now, I'll, you know, I'll make you a speaker, Brent. Thank you for attending so early, man. Uh, hold on okay, a second. Sure. Again, no, no pre pressure. If you need to leave, go ahead. Okay. So uh, okay. anyway, I'm looking at the Vietnam War Memorial. On my back is that uh, reflecting pool. To the left is the Lincoln Memorial, and uh, to the right is the Washington Monument. I think they started at twelve thirty. That's why I started at twelve because I want to just quickly go over. What I want to talk about is more like I don't think we ever learned from the Vietnam War experiences and that's why the war machine keeps running even after the disaster, you know, some 50 years ago. And uh, I just want to get over with that. Hey, Jonathan, welcome. Yeah, let's give everybody two more minutes. How's that? Uh, uh, three more minutes. I'm sorry. I, my usual rule is that I give five minutes for everyone. You guys can enjoy the new music that we have. <laughs> They're testing the microphone right now. Decent crowd, but I do not know whether that's the real crowd or just tourists. Right. Because so President's Day weekend, so a lot of tourists in that area. It's a what? President's weekend? Oh, that's right. That's George Washington's birthday. So there's a lot of tourists there already. So, uh, yep, you know. Yep. Yeah, it actually, it was my birthday yesterday, and I oh, found okay. I had a uh, one hundred uh, subscribers on call in, and one hundred appearances made by me. I said, "Okay, that's a too good number I can take." <laughs> <laughs> where Where are you from, Brent? California. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Are you new to call in? No, I call in quite a bit um, because listening to mainstream media. Um, it's very biased, so I like to go on Colin to get a, another perspective. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, I think I'm one of those uh, producers of alternative views and analysis. <laughs> and, uh, oh, by the way, Brandon, is the background music too loud for you to hear me? No. Okay, cool. Then I'm going to stay put. It's a nice spot. I'm, you know, it's still chilly, but I put my uh, gloves on the on a tree stump and just on a tree stump, and it's a pretty nice view here. It's like the highest point uh, 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 on the landscape, uh, landscape overlooking all the places. So, is it today's the first day, right? One, it's a one day rally. It is one day rally, I believe. Yes. Uh, let's take okay. uh, let me do, uh, this called JDSU. Go ahead. Yes, JDSU, can you, uh, do you know how to unmute yourself? It's all right. It, right. it takes some time to right. figure it out. Go ahead. Colin, so. yeah. You're new to Colin, okay. <laughs> yes, yes, what's, um, what's your mind? Calling in in regards, yeah, I'm calling in in regards to, um, 
the idea that the Russian invasion of Ukraine is somehow uh, um, framed as being white, against white supremacy when the Russian government specifically has a policy of using Boryat, Yakuts, and Chechens as many of the main men being fed into a meat grinder. Oh, I'm not disagreeing with you, uh, uh, JDSU. Basically, there's a guy calling host. His name's Greg. Uh, he had, he and I had a pretty good exchange. He's a big, uh, supporter of Ukraine and I don't blame him. Uh, he challenged me saying, how come you don't know Russia is a, a aggressor during the colonial time? I told him I agree with him. I have urged everyone to watch a YouTube clip. It's a two hour, uh, uh, session by Brian Boletic, uh, by, uh, uh, and he talks about the Sino-Russia hi uh, history. And there's, there's no doubt in that episode, it's clearly said, Russia used to be at least a minimum, if not today, part of the colonial power, you know, among all the European powers. So it's like yesterday I, I had a, this exchange with another guy, he is analyzing the Nazi Germany, how Germany become a Nazi Germany. And, uh, you know, uh, he, he, I would not say he's defending Nazi Germany, but he talks about why Germany is somewhat shortchanged and all that. And, uh, so, hey, Brady, I'm going to make you a, a, a speaker, okay? So JD, um, JDSU, you must be new to Colin because um, your your concerns are very valid because um, Russia is the aggressor. I don't, I go on multiple Colin sessions, and there seems to be a hesitation to admit this. I have to pry it out of the speakers to admit that Russia is an aggressor. But you have to keep in mind that you, the United States is taking advantage of a situation to benefit the military-industrial complex. And, and I, I, here in Los Angeles today, pe there's a bunch of homeless people everywhere, all over the streets, and it's not an exaggeration at, at all. Yet, no money's coming to L.A. to help the homeless. If they're funding millions to Ukraine. So the U.S. is... What they're doing with this war is more important for people here in the U.S. than whatever Russia and Ukraine, whatever problems they have but the suggestion by people that or like the they try to push it oh, aside like to say for some that reason that russia is not the... okay guys uh because currently engaged in fighting back against the unlawful invasion of their homes by a imperial fa neo-fascist power goodbye Yes, uh, again, uh, JD, I respect your opinion, uh, Brent. Let me get started with uh, my uh, section, and then I'm going to do a live interview on the ground with the uh, participants. I have some uh, very, in my opinion, very neutral question, uh, and uh, and uh, Archer is going to willing to try on Brent also. Okay, so so let me get started. Uh, I only have uh, some short notes. Basically, again, good morning for for the swamp, <laughs> and uh, and uh, so the word of the day is a. Uh, Balloonista. Balloonista is the deep state promoters and the uh, mainstream media whores 
who specialize in manufacturing fake news of a ballooning foreign threats to legalize and moralize wars. And uh, we have just uh, too many balloonistas. I would say since uh, since the second uh, after the S Second World War, and uh, for all the wars the U.S. engaged in uh, in the Korea, in the Vietnam, in in Iraq, in the Middle East, these are all promoted by these uh, balloonistas. And uh, and uh, so I want to put that out first. And the second piece I want to do is that a little bit news update. I actually visited the Battle of the Franklin uh, Field in Tennessee, Franklin, Tennessee. Battle of Franklin is one of the worst, most atrocious battle. I think it's within five hours, uh, thousands of soldiers from both sides died. And it's not just a shooting game, it's like a hand-to-hand -hand battle within that five hours, mostly in the dark. And uh, the Battle of the Franklin is not maintained by federal government it's not even maintained by the state government of tennessee i think it's maintained by a private group so uh, i'm pretty sure they are called the uh, the sons and daughters of the confederate soldiers of tennessee so some of you might consider them a white supremacist group but i just want to dig into the history so you know i visited the uh the, the cemetery of uh confederate soldiers you know I would say six, seventy percent of them, even today, is marked as unknown because those soldiers, you can imagine, they are probably from an extremely poor countryside. They don't even own slaves. They don't even know how to write. I heard that when they sign their name, they just put an X to sign their name because they don't even know how to, to write their name. But, but they are the cannon fathers back then. Right? And, uh, you know, and, uh, and the thing of back then, using the pretty backwards weapons to kill each other, they still can kill each other in great amount, in short five hours. These days, our weapons are so far advanced, right? Nuclear weapons can wipe up, uh, what, 100,000 people? And, uh, you know, napalm bombs in, since the Korea War has, you know, is able to kill, what, 30, 50 soldiers all at once? And uh, so we are very advanced when it comes to have wars. So, so that's why I, in my update, I said my conclusion is the war is hell. War is a mass shooting, just like mass shootings we see in the news. War is a collective murder or suicide. We must all work together to stop any war, as far as I'm concerned. So second is that I visited the Lincoln Memorial yesterday. So I didn't. I, I pick up three more words from his uh, Gettysburg address. It's so he said uh, those uh, who Union soldiers who died in that Gettysburg has so nobly advanced. I quote, so nobly advanced. End quote. The belief that all men are created equal. Okay, as we know, Lincoln was soon assassinated, and and soon afterwards. The U.S. Supreme Court tore down the 14th Amendment, which is a war amendment, meaning the state cannot treat African Americans discriminatory, discriminatory, and 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 so the Supreme Court literally, I call them the judicial white privileges, literally can tore down 
the 14th Amendment by established separate but equal doctrine. So, so that's the second thing I want to update. The third thing I want to get a quick update is that there were two more sh mass shootings and uh, Biden is saying we have to do something to stop the gun violence that's uh, ripping our ri ripping apart our communities, end quote. Well, I got news for Joe Biden. I think it's, it's the corrupt justice system that are ripping this entire country apart. Not just black and white, not just the uh, men against women. It's among all sections of our society that, that, that are being, uh, being, uh, has suffered from the, a very corrupt uh, 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 justice system. Uh, last update is this. This is, I said this uh, before. When it comes to Christianity, when it comes to uh, humanity, the West, as I know it, has many unworthy human beings. I have learned that the earthquake in Turkey and Syria is equates to, it's so powerful, it equates to 130 atomic bombs blowing up continuously for 43 seconds. So let me repeat, the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria equates to 130 atomic bombs blowing up continuously for 47 seconds. There's a massive casualties in those area. Have we, we heard any concert in the West helping those victims? Have we heard any West countries coming out say, let's go there and help? We do not. Their focus is on Ukraine. So with so that is the news update. Just I want to you know give guys some update. Uh, Brady, let me just make you a uh, a speaker. So now I'm going to quickly go over again today's main topic. I want to talk about is that the United States and the people of the United States never learned from the Vietnam War. Right now I'm at the Vietnam War Memorial. I have, I have said, I'm a big Vietnam War buff. I have pretty much watched every clips, every documentary, every books. Um, no, I wouldn't say every books. Uh, many books about the Vietnam War. And, uh, and I always wondered, how come after the Vietnam War, the, the, which is a disaster for the U.S., the U.S. continued to engage itself in those unjustifiable wars? So... So now I'm, it's, uh, today's the day I want to quickly share with you all, okay? So the, what I found out is this. The war machine in the United States and the judicial white privilege operates on the same Western value. That value, simply put it, white supremacy, morally, militarily, and legally, okay? We have always heard the U.S. government is the world police, but as a matter of fact, it's more than that. The U.S. government is the world judge, world jury, world executioner, and the world police. Okay? The world police, you will think about it. In a democracy, a police only operate as a law enforcement, right? Who got to make the law for the world police to enforce? Who got to adjudicate the law? Nobody. It's just one single entity called the U.S. government, the deep state. They are the judge. They are the jury. They are the executioner. Nobody can question their, 
their propaganda. Nobody can question their rationale to get us involved in wars. And that's why, you know, the, the, uh, the, the judicial white privilege and the war machine rely, rely on the same principle. The whites are the supreme, uh, su the, the supreme race. They can do no wrong. And that's how they operate. And, uh, and so that's one thing I want to get out there. And in these days, we have heard that these changing narratives. The West used to call it, we must have a, wo a world order based on law. Law-based world order. But recently it's changed to rule-based world order. And the most recent narrative during the U uh, Ukrainian war is this. It's called a value-based world order. Okay? There is a lot of those uh, military alliance, such as, uh, uh, what's it called? AUKUS, like Australia, Britain, uh, UK, and US is AUKUS. Uh, the Quad, the Japan, India, US, and Australia alliance. All those alliance and all these uh, weapon manufacturing agreement between Japan and uh, South Korea and the US and the West. These are all done by under the umbrella called value-based alliances. So what is the value-based alliances? That's the Western value. That's the white supremacy value. So that's how I see it. Okay. Uh, so so that's that's another piece I want. The in under this Western value, the West is always the good. The East are always the evil, the savages, and the South. By the South, I mean the African countries, South American countries. Those are the jungles that they, they don't give a shit. Okay? It's always the West who change the laws, the rules, or the values at its sole discretion to conquest non-white land, nations, and people. It's under this Western value the U.S. keeps engaging wars. The Vietnam lesson was never learned, never taught at school, not even at Memorial. So today, I will just quickly to run two points that you have never heard about the Vietnam War. That's you will never heard from any books, any publication. It's entirely my own analysis. First of all, first one, the Vietnam War Memorial is built in a section here is called the Constitution Gardens. Okay? The Constitution Gardens is a pretty decent size of land. And uh, the Congress, I believe, authorized a portion of it uh, to give the, I think it's called the Vietnam Veteran Memorial Fund, this group, to build a memorial. Okay? And the designer of the memorial envisioned that the design is a deep cut into the earth into this constitutional garden so the vietnam war itself it's a crime in violation against the constitution of the united states by multiple presidents the commander-in-chief all white okay so i will give you an example i know this general eisenhower the only 
commanding uh, a commander in chief who actually is a commanding general on the battlefield is very particular in the set in the constitution that only the congress can authorize a war outside this country okay so he vehemently denied to get uh declined to get involved in the battle of a dmbn fool when the french government literally are on their knees to back the u.s to get involved but since eisenhower JFK, without the congressional authority, sent U.S. military advisors to Vietnam. There are actually combat death among the military advisors. That's never known. L LBJ, as we all know, LBJ is a master in legislations. He used to be the speaker of the House, or the he's at least in the in the Senate. He's the kind of the uh, big guy in in the Senate. He knows how to play with the lawmakers. So he come out with this a Gulf of a Tonkin resolution to authorize illegally war in Vietnam. Nixon, despite his pledge not to get involved in Laos and Cambodia, personally direct US troops into Cambodia. And as a matter of fact, he's been called a uh, tricky dick, right? And also in uh, the Congress got so upset with the Nixon that they immediately enacted law called the, the war uh, the war power act explicitly requests the president must consult with the congress before he sent combat troops into a foreign country guess who recently violated that war power act joe biden because if it is true that the u.s military is involved military by military i mean the u.s navy was involved in the blowing up of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. Then the U.S. engaged in the combat operation in a foreign territory without congressional approval. So this Constitution Garden was there and to, for the designer of this memorial, Vietnam War Memorial, to make a deep cut into it because our Constitution is profoundly violated during the Vietnam War. Nobody talks about it because uh, they still want to justify that somehow the Vietnam War is out of a so-called, quote, good intention, unquote. Right? And, uh, and, uh, and we know all the other shit, but I don't have to go over that. But I just want to let you know, each president, JFK, LBJ, Tricky Dick, they all violated the Constitution. And the Truman is no better because uh, if you, uh, this guy, Robert McNara, he wrote a book called The History is a Argument Without End. In it, he described his, uh, his encounter with the Vietnamese scholars who are uh, in a conference in Vietnam. And the, the Vietnamese scholars collectively, they all said the Vietnam War, the U.S. Vietnam War, does not start in 1954. It started in 1947. So let me repeat. The Vietnam War started in 1947. The way U.S. get involved in 1947 in Vietnam it, it is exactly the same as we are involved in Ukraine. The U.S. provided 80% of the military spending uh, resources to the French 
the French colonizers in Vietnam. Therefore, the Vietnamese saying it's the U.S. airplane, it is U.S. Uh, artillery, it's the U.S. napalm bomb that killed us. Therefore, U.S. is at war with us since 1947. You will never be told in the mainstream media because if that's the case, the Vietnam War is the longest foreign war U.S. engaged in, longer than the Afghanistan. So the the second thing you do not know about this mem uh, Vietnam War memorial is this. There is a three soldier statue right here in the Vietnam War. First of all, you probably know who designed the Vietnam War uh, memorial, uh, Vietnam veteran memorial. It's a Chinese woman. Okay, the, that Chinese woman by the name of Maya Lin, L-I-N, she got, uh, she attended a national competition. The judge, uh, the panel to judge those comp uh, competing designs of this memorial, uh, uh, does not know the name of the, of the, uh, of the, uh, of the artist, the designers. So they basically has, is a blindfolded jury who decided who is the, who has the winning design. So it happens to be Maya Ling, a Chinese woman. And, uh, she ended up winning. And in the same competition, there's another guy, a white guy by the name of a Frederick Hart, H-A-R-T. This is a white guy. Maya Ling won the competition. She was compensated for $25,000 as the prize money. This white guy, also an architect, he lost. But somehow he was able to convince the Vietnam Veteran Memorial Fund to allow him to squeeze in his design. It's called a Three Soldiers Statue, which is still here today. You will see it. So think about Marilyn got compensated for $25,000. Take a guess how much money Frederick Hart, Hart, a white guy, got compensated. Anyone? I'm going to ask the panel. Brady, Brent, you want to take a guess? How much money Frederick Hart got compensated for that three soldier statue, which is much smaller, by the way, by, by any... 100,000. Higher, please. <laughs> 500,000. Lower, please. 200,000. Higher, please. <laughs> 300,000. You are about right. I think it's between 300 to 350,000 dollars. So you think about it. This white guy literally can change the rule of the competition. Change the proceeding. Change all those shit. Literally, he get, got, get, he created, uh, 10 more competition with the $25,000 price money. And he won them all. That is the trickery of white privilege. Meaning you change the rule of the game in the middle of the game. You move the goalpost while the game is still going on. That is white supremacy. That is white supremacy. Okay, you cannot be that. You cannot be that. So these are the two things I want to share with you that nobody 
tell you about the Vietnam War. And I concluded the white supremacy that drive the Vietnam War has never, uh, uh, was never defeated. Okay. I think, you know, I've mentioned this in the past. Communism is a white theory started in, in Europe. It's a European concept. The first com communist society is a what? The Camille of Paris, if I remember correctly. It's all in the Marxist teaching. All right? The Eastern Bloc of the former U Soviet Union, they are all white countries, communist countries. How come the West never put, pick up a gun and fight the, with the white communists, but they choose to fight Vietnamese? It's not because the communism. It's really because they believe the little Vietnamese, no more than five feet five tall, uh, five feet tall, will run away when the napalm bomb is falling upon them. That's the colonialistic thinking. That's what they do. All right. So, so that is why that white supremacy thought and the thinking process never died, and that's why I want to bring it up. So, I'm going to conclude because it's about 12.29. Uh, I want to do this because I have been very critical of a white left and I got a lot more information these days. We, I am going to attend this uh, rally against the war machine. And I just don't think the white left, the, uh, basically, I, I think the white left cannot be a reliable leader in the war against the war machine. How to end the war, in my opinion, or how to end all the wars, is to have a war against the war machine. Okay? In my opinion, these days, the white left is an integral part of the war machine. You just look at the, those deep state fanatics. Many, many of them can be called white left. Right? And I want to quote no, no other than Malcolm X, you know, in his famous uh, speech called the token integration. And he talks about the white liberals. And this is what Malcolm X said, quote, we are trapped. He means African-Americans. We are trapped in the vicious cycle of economic, intellectual, social and the political debt, unquote. That's the debt trap. The African Americans received in a white majoritarian democracy. White left solution towards racial equality is token integration. White white left is in the white flight also. That's what Malcolm X said. You know, to me, using more today's white left works like you are public defender. If you ever get in trouble with the law. If you're a criminal defendant, if you got assigned a public defender, a white left is like your public defender. Your oppressor, the government, provides you with a free lawyer. Is this free lawyer is going to work for you? Or is this a free lawyer is going to work for the government and the institution of legal profiteering? Like white left, your public defenders will always advise you that in his position of power, by the way, that you are asking too much from our justice system. You are being unreasonable with his, quote, free, unquote, service. You better take the plea deal without trial by jury.
And that's why 90 over 90 percent of a convicted person in this country actually went to jail without a trial. That's how efficient our corrupt justice is. By the way, I also got this uh, impression from Scott Ritter, who himself went through the criminal justice system. Okay? So, to, to end today, today's uh, episode, at least my part, I'm going to say this. A war against the war machine can only be won by a global movement, not just here in the U.S. If, if, if Vietnam War taught us anything, the protest against the Vietnam War is, does not just happen in America. It happens in the Europe, in Western Europe, in Eastern Europe, in Africa, in Asia, all over the places. The war machine is extremely powerful. You need a global war against the war machine to defeat the war machine. Okay, today I don't, you know, we have to look at who is being actually injured or threatened with the injury in the future by the war machine. You have to think about the Vietnam War protest. During the year Vietnam War protest, who is actually injured by the ongoing Vietnam War? The black people. That's why MLK come out, came out and voiced his uh, position against the Vietnam War. And you also have to think of who is in the potential harm in the future as the Vietnam was ongoing. The poor whites, because they fear to be drafted to go to a useless war, right? So you really have to think about when you organize a war against the war machine, you need to think of all this, be, you know, and you have to really strategize and to, ha you know, to have a winning strategy. And otherwise, you know, I think we're just going to be wasting our time. So that, in a nutshell, is what I want to talk about today. Uh, feel free to uh, uh, offer your comments and feedbacks agreement. I, I do appreciate all your criticism and all that. So, yeah, oh, by the, thank you for attending. By, oh, by the way, by the, please uh, uh, join my next uh, uh, Sunday's uh, show. It's called uh, uh, The Darkest uh, uh, Secret About Rosa Parks. That's uh, what I learned uh, from my trip to Montgomery, Alabama. And uh, it will be honored if you could uh, uh, join me. Okay, if not, okay, then I'm going to do this. I'm going to ask a few. Go ahead, Brady. Go ahead. Uh, excited to hear what it looks like on the ground over there like how many people are there what it looks like how it feels all that kind of stuff Just some basic reporting sure sure let me take a look i think it's a decent crowd i would not say it's a uh, fully packed because it's only twelve thirty-five. it's a five minutes before the scheduled start uh, i mean after the scheduled uh, start time and uh i'm going to walk towards that direction go ahead if you have any, any other questions I would expect it to be more crowded, especially if considering who's speaking, like Ron Paul, all that kind of stuff. I mean, those type of people. I mean, I do I see, fo yeah, I do see folks are joining us. Sign. I mean, uh, it's a shame that uh, I can't shoot a picture and send send you guys. I would say now I'm gonna guess. I'm not good in counting crowd size. Um, I'll say it's not it's half full. Then it's a, it's it's a total. 
you, you, you know uh, Lincoln Memorial, and there is yeah. a, like uh, there is an area, right? I would say right now it's a one third full. How, how's that? Because I've when, been to, I've been to Lincoln Memorial, and um, that's that 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 space. There's like a, I don't know how to explain it to people who haven't been there, but there's, there's the steps, right? And yeah. then there's like a, a square, like a rectangle yes. between that and the water. Yes. Yeah, uh, that's what they like. They sell like hot dog people, like vendors. They try to sell hot dogs or ice cream, and that's if that square is only half a third full, then then th this rally is the turnout's very disappointing. I will say it's. A, I I still like it. I'll tell you. I uh, uh, right. I, I believe they are real uh, participants. They are not tourists. And they're waving flags. I see. I think it's a Iranian flag. It's all kinds of flags. Oh, they're, they're using it to protest the. I mean, yeah, that, that could be. I mean, that could be a good cause too. But I yeah. think a lot of those, probably half of the people there, are there because of the memorial. Because it's usually during the federal holidays, President's Day weekend. There's people go to Washington D.C., go to the memorial, all that kind of stuff. Because there's an extra day off. Uh huh. I see. So I see uh, like a rainbow flags. I see quite a number of signs. I still like it, and uh, it's better than nothing. But I would expect a, that place to be packed. But one third, that square only one third full. Ooh, I don't know. <laughs> that's okay, Brad. I, actually, I'm going to use you as the first interviewee because I got uh, some questions. Uh, I'm going to ask you, and then uh, you give me your answer. Okay, hold on a second. Because I'm going to ask the same question. Because uh, I, I think you, you can be a very good uh, subject to interview. Hold on. These people that I know and that I met on the other side of the U.S. Empire, they don't care if you're right wing or left wing. They don't care if you're a camouflage. Okay, Brent, are you ready? I'm going to ask you yes. three questions. Okay, I got uh, 14 questions to ask. I only asked three randomly. On a scale of 1 to 10, how enraged you will be if someone just stole your cell phone right now? Okay, what about the U.S. involvement in the Ukrainian war on the scale of 1 to 10? Uh, 10. 10, okay. All right. Trump supporters flew Trump flags on January 6, 2021. The Vietnam War protesters flew North Vietnamese flags. Would you fly a Russian flag if I give you one right now? No. We are here today. Name a celebrity who did an anti-war tour called F the Army. Was, I don't know. Was it um, Stevie Nicks? I do not know Stevie Nicks. Uh, it's, Stevie Nicks? Uh, yeah, the uh, army because she was against the, the, the Iraq war. Um, oh, you know what? You are probably talking about the Dick, Dixie Chicks. Is that talking about? Stevie Nicks. Okay, well, I, 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 no, I will say you're correct. Uh, what I have in mind is Jane Fonda. Because Jane Fonda oh, had a tour called the Fuck the Army. 
Okay. Yeah. She. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you, you, you did a great job. You, uh, you know, my my questions are not that good. I appreciate it. <laughs> so let you know what. Let me go in there and so everyone can hear what this guy has to say. Is there any YouTube live screen uh, streaming uh, of 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 this rally? So I'm gonna get closer to the speaker. Yeah, oh, guess what? I do see people flying Russian flags, okay? I want to let you know. There's no one flying a Ukrainian flag. That's hilarious, okay? This is what no I do. No one. They're talking about the Russian flags on Savvy's podcast. I dropped the link to the chat. Decent crowd, guys. Decent crowd. Lot of foreign flags, man. to become God. They demand the sacrifice of others in the mad quest for wealth, fame, and power. But the idol always ends by requiring self-sacrifice, leaving us to perish on the blood-soaked altars we erected for others. For empires are not murdered. They commit suicide at the feet of the idols that entrance them. We are here today to denounce the unelected, unaccountable, high priests of empire who funnel the bodies of millions of victims along with trillions of dollars of our national wealth into the bowels of our own version of the Canaanite idol, Moloch. The political class, the media, the entertainment industry, the financiers, and even religious institutions bay like wolves for the blood of Muslims, or Russians, or Chinese, or whoever the idol has demonized as unworthy of life. There were no rational objectives in the wars in Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Libya, and Somalia, and there are none in Ukraine. Permanent war and industrial slaughter are their own justification. Lockheed Martin, Raytheon, General Dynamics, Boeing, and Northrop Grumman earned billions of dollars in profits. The vast expenditures demanded by the Pentagon are sacrosanct, and the cabal of war-mongering pundits, diplomats, and technocrats 
who smugly dodge responsibility for the array of military disasters. They orchestrate our protean, shifting adroitly with the political tides, moving from the Republican Party to the Democratic Party and then back again, mutating from cold warriors to ne neocons to liberal interventionists. Julian Benda called these courtiers to power the self-made barbarians of the intelligentsia. These pimps of war do not see the corpses of their victims. I did, including children. Every lifeless body I stood over as a reporter in Guatemala, El Salvador, Nicaragua, Palestine, Iraq, Sudan, Yemen, Bosnia, and Kosovo, month after month, year after year, exposed their moral bankruptcy, intellectual dishonesty, sick bloodlust, and delusional fantasies. They are the puppets of the Pentagon, a state within a state, and the weapons manufacturers who lavishly fund their think tanks, project for the new American century, foreign policy initiative, American Enterprise Institute, Center for a, a New American Security Institute for the Study of War, Atlantic Council, and Brookings Institute. Like some mutant strain of an antibiotic resistant bacteria, they cannot be vanquished. It does not matter how wrong they are, how absurd their theories of global dominance, or how many times they lie or denigrate other cultures and societies as uncivilized, or how many they condemn to death. They are immovable props, parasites, vomited up in the dying days of empire, ready to sell us the next virtuous war against whoever they have decided is the new Hitler. The map changes, but the game is the same. Pity our prophets, those who wander the desolate landscape crying out in the darkness. Pity Julian Assange undergoing a slow motion execution in a high security prison in London. He committed the empire's fatal sin. He exposed its crimes, its machinery of death, its moral depravity. A society that prohibits the capacity to speak in truth extinguishes the capacity to live in justice. Some here today might like to think of themselves as radicals, maybe even revolutionaries. But what we are demanding on the political spectrum is in fact conservative. It is the restoration of the rule of law. It is simple and basic. It should not in a functioning republic be incendiary. But living in truth, it is in a despotic system, one the political philosopher Sheldon Wolin 
called inverted totalitarianism is an act of subversion. The architects of imperialism, the masters of war, the corporate controlled legislative, judicial, and executive branches of government and their obsequious mouthpieces in the media and academia are illegitimate. Say this simple truth and you are banished as many of us have been to the margins. Prove this truth as Julian did and you are crucified. Red Rosa now has banished too. Bertolt Brecht wrote of the murdered socialist Rosa Luxemburg. She told the poor what life is about, and so the rich have rubbed her out. We have undergone a corporate coup d'etat, where the poor and working men and women, 60% of whom lack $400 to cover an emergency expense, are reduced to chronic instability, Joblessness and food insecurity are endemic. Our communities and cities are desolate. War, financial speculation, constant surveillance, and militarized police that function as internal armies of occupation are the only real concerns of the state. Even habeas corpus no longer exists. We as citizens are commodities to corporate systems of power, used and discarded, and the endless wars we fight overseas have spawned the wars we fight at home, as the students I teach in the New Jersey prison system are acutely aware. All empires die in the same act of self-immolation tyranny that the Athenian Empire imposed on others, Thucydides noted in his history of the Peloponnesian War, it finally imposed on itself. To fight back, to reach out and help the weak, the oppressed and the suffering, to save the planet from ecocide, to decry the domestic and international crimes of the ruling class, to demand justice to live in truth, to smash the graven images, is to bear the mark of Cain. Those in power must feel our wrath, which means acts of sustained, nonviolent, civil disobedience, social and political disruption. Organized power from below is the only power that can save us. Politics is a game of fear, and it is our duty to make those in power very, very afraid. The ruling oligarchy has locked us in its death grip. It cannot be reformed. It obscures and falsifies the truth. It is on a maniacal quest to increase this obscene wealth and unchecked power. It forces us to kneel before its false gods. And so, to quote the Queen of Hearts, metaphorically of course, I say, off with their heads.
and he went out on the boat. Then on the weekends, he was a mechanic. He'd lay under cars and work under cars and do things like that. Then I started a job. I became a police officer. And I was a police officer. Thank you. 
Hey Brent, could you mute your uh, microphone? Because it can't be rained out in a stretch group, cool flow will remain there for at least 10 years. The loss of warming sunlight creates ice age weather around the Earth. The temperatures fall below freezing every day for the next three years. Most humans are other land animals are which contains the data of the annihilation of the entire human species in a global nuclear world and following nuclear winter, which is what automatically makes every individual the best for the outcome of this present conjuncture of human history. We therefore want to catalyze the international movement of world citizens Okay, the crowd size just increased probably 20% since I've been here. Any questions, guys? There's definitely union people here. They want to nationalize the railroad. Schiller Institute have a sign. War, the only thing not made in China. <laughs> Big sign, senile POTUS. All right, let's welcome our next speaker. We have got a 13-year veteran of the global war on terror with us today. Yikes. And do we have any other veterans in the audience? You guys are a greatly underutilized demographic. We should be having veterans front and center speaking out against these horrendous wars. So let's welcome him. Okay, I also saw a Chinese uh, official government TV. It's called the CCTV on the, on the scene. John Bolton is a cuck. This guy holding a sign. My name is Dan McKnight. I'm the chairman of a veterans organization called Bring Our Truth Home. We advocate for Congress to reclaim their authority and never let a single president, man, woman, Republican or Democrat, ever take our country into war again. You'll hear that only the Congress has the power. Congress, only body. To properly debate and declare war if war is necessary, let the representatives of the people do it. Only the Congress. Coming to Washington, D.C. I hate it. It's where our once humble government, limited government, republic came to die. It didn't die because the people voted for it to die, or because the age-old ideas are now valueless. It was murder. It was murdered by a concept that Americans don't understand. It was murdered by an establishment that only serves their own self-interest. 
I ask you, when was the last time something good and decent came out of Washington, D.C.? This is where it was decided, based on lies, to take our country into war in Iraq, and in Afghanistan, and Syria, and Yemen, and Kosovo, and Korea, and Vietnam. And if we don't do something soon, in Ukraine. This is where it was decided that the Fourth Amendment just simply didn't matter, and our government could spy on us without a warrant. This is where it was decided to imprison and torture journalists like Julian Assange and pressure media platforms to ban anyone who dissents with the war party's narrative. It's my contention that only problems start in Washington, D.C. That's right. There are no solutions in this town. So why are we here? Why are we here? We're here because they don't listen. We're here to, sit, to let our voices be heard. I was honored to be invited to speak at this event, and I'm astonished by the amount of logistics, the people that are here, and all the support, the lineup of speakers, and I'm blessed to share the stage with each and every one of them. Every person here is passionate about ending our endless and undeclared wars. But today, I want to present you with parallel action. In addition to the marches and the rallies and the signs and the DC-focused activism, I don't know if any of that actually grows our movement. We have to take the lever of power back to where we have the most effect. My organization, Bring Our Troops Home, is the vanguard of the Defend the Guard legislation. Woo! Defend the Guard is a state-based legislation that would prohibit the state's National Guard for being deployed into active combat duty overseas, absent a declaration of war from Congress. By the way, that declaration of war from Congress is required under the Constitution in Article 1, Section 8. It's not talked about enough, but the National Guard is the backbone of the active duty military fighting force, and it makes up 45% of all of the boots on the ground that have fought in the global war on terror. Without the Guard's manpower, the Washington, D.C. Imperial ambitions would become impossible. If we had to defend the Guard in just a few states 20 years ago, the Iraq invasion would have never happened no matter how much George Bush and Dick Cheney wanted it. This past Wednesday, our Defend the Guard legislation passed a Senate committee vote in Arizona. A majority of the legislators on that committee, including the chairman and the Senate Majority Leader himself, and our bill sponsor, a retired Lieutenant Colonel Senator who served in the United States Air Force, voted in favor of the bill. This is not a feel-good legislation. It's not to pat ourselves on the back. It's an actionable bill that means something, that takes some teeth away from the military-industrial complex and the establishment warmongers. And when it passes, it'll be the first domino in the collapse of this globalist experiment. My organization, Bring Our Troops Home, has already gotten this, this bill introduced in, uh, let me check my numbers here, in 16 states so far this year, we've already had five hearings. We have bill sponsors in over 40 states. 
My organization, bringing our troops home, has seen the minds change in Phoenix, Arizona, Charleston, West Virginia, Concord, New Hampshire, more so than we ever have on Capitol Hill. And the ge this is the geographical point on the planet where the largest military empire in the history of the world is the strongest. So why do we waste our effort trying to crack the toughest nut? Who else thinks it's time to abandon this pantomime of influence and begin fomenting some sort of rebellion in the provinces and in the states? Here is a real action item. Everybody here, please take out your phones. Go to defendtheguard.us. Sign our petition. The signatures that we gather will be used to influence change in the legislatures across the country at the state level. Enlist in our movement. Let's permanently break the back of the D.C. War Party and restore the United States Constitution and bring our troops home from their endless and undeclared adventures around the world. The revolution isn't going to happen in D.C. It's not going to happen on K Street. It's going to happen in Phoenix and Missoula and Bismarck and Boise and Tallahassee. It's going to happen in the state capitals all across the country. I hope that you will join us and effect change in a much more hospitable soil than what we see right here in the swamp of Washington, D.C. Thank you very much. who just ran against uh, Chuck Schumer, oh, our favorite, in New York. This is Diane Sayre with the Schiller Institute, and she's here to rage against the war machine. Good afternoon. I want to especially thank Nick and Angela for pulling all of us together and I am pleased that we have smoked out hundreds of FBI agents and thousands of NAFO trolls just by sticking together to oppose our nation from plunging us into the abyss of thermonuclear war. We are here because there seems to be no bottom, no boundary to the depravity of our own government. They would never do that. Has been violated repeatedly to the point that we can be almost certain that if we, the people, don't step in, we are headed over the cliff to nuclear annihilation. We are here because we've been living a lie as poor Lady Macbeth discovered, once you commit one crime, tell one lie, it multiplies until you reach your tragic end. Unless you choose not to be tragic. We are here because we choose not to be tragic. The lying began at the end of World War II, at the death of FDR, 
we were told it was necessary to drop not one, but two nuclear bombs on Japan. Bullshit! It was Whoa. not. Woo. The Emperor of Japan was already negotiating the terms of surrender through the Vatican. Our VE Day celebration of the defeat of the Nazis, which could not have happened without the enormous sacrifice of the Russian people, was short-lived. And instead of eradicating Nazism, the Dulles brothers, among others, protected Nazis in pockets, in our intelligence agencies, and in other nations in the name of fighting communism. Then we had the assassination of our president, John F. Kennedy, and the lie of the magic bullet shot by one lone assassin who apparently also killed Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, and Robert Kennedy. Then we had 9-11 allegedly perpetrated by some guy suffering kidney failure from a cave in Afghanistan. So today, we have the lie that one fine morning, President Vladimir Putin woke up and said, gee, I feel like invading Ukraine today. And idiots in our Congress who knew or should have known better decided to send over a hundred billion dollars to a pro to a pro banderist regime in Kiev which we created to wage a proxy war against a nuclear superpower and now we have the lies about the menacing Chinese balloons. This will not end unless we stop it by standing for the truth. And the truth is that mankind deserves better. There is a movement afoot, a revival of the non-aligned spirits, spirit where nations are uniting, as in the BRICS, the SCO, the Eurasian Economic Union in a new order based on mutual respect and a commitment to eradicate the common causes of the enemies of mankind, such as poverty, disease, and hunger, without sacrificing sovereignty. Excuse me, is this a Vietnamese flag? This new paradigm, the United States should join it. Millions are suffering in our own nation because of our foolish insistence on being the global hegemon. The Pope has offered the Vatican for peace talks without preconditions. President Lula of Brazil has proposed founding a block of nations to create a peace organization. I, along with Helga Zeplarouche, who heard, support these calls for negotiations. 
It doesn't matter if you like or dislike the initiators. We should act in the spirit of Marian Anderson, who in spite of the ugly racism which had prevented her from singing at Constitution Hall 84 years ago, accepted the invitation of Eleanor Roosevelt to sing here on these steps on Easter Sunday, 1939. To the amazement of all, she began the program by singing My Country Tisney, Sweet Land of Liberty, Let Freedom Ring. Well, that was awesome. How was that? Make some noise. Great job. Guys, I'm Jeff Douglas. I'm with the Mises Caucus. Please take some time. Stop over and check out what we have going on. I'm here to introduce our next speaker. Let's make some noise for Tara Reed. against Russia via Ukraine. Over a hundred billion dollars in weapons and aid, and it's going where? We don't know. It's a money laundering scheme. There needs to be a congressional investigation into Joe Biden for what he's doing for all of us. I will be there for you. I will tell my story at that congressional investigation, and I will go under oath. Now, we're here today not because we have anything bad to say about the Ukrainian people. They are suffering. The Ukrainian workers are suffering. The Russians are suffering. This is about the Western Empire that has um, basically used the military industrial complex and weaponized it to these endless wars. Julian Assange has given up his freedom to give us that information. When he told us about the 2014, when he published the information about the 2014 coup that was Western-backed, that led to this moment in history that we are now, the Biden administration taking us to World War III, and we're not going to have it. You know, there's a Shakespeare saying, as flies to wanton boys are we to the gods, they kill us for their sport. The elites are not going to kill us. There are more of us than them. We are going to stop this war and stop the endless funding to Ukraine. I see the Russian flags out there. Hello, Russia. You are not our enemy. Russia is not our enemy. China is not our enemy. The military-industrial complex has taken hijacked the Democratic and Republican Party. And it didn't take much money to do it, did it? 
So we have to take it back and we have to demand from these politicians because remember, they work for us. We don't work for them. I want to leave on this note. Free Julian Assange. 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 Thank you. Thank you, Tara. All right. Next up, we got a very special guy. This is Jackson Hinkle of the Dive, and he's here to tell you why we need to stop this war. By the way, I want to nickname Jackson Hinkle Putin's cutest puppy. Washington (laughs) D.C. Because he's truly handsome. I'll I'll tell you that. Look at all of you. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. We got leftists, we got communists, right-wingers, conservatives, paleo-conservatives, libertarians, Greens, People Party. We got everyone here today and you look great. So listen, listen, I know there's a little controversy about me speaking, but the truth is, the truth is, that we are here today because we oppose war and we want peace. It's as simple as that, okay? And when my ancestors came over to America on the Mayflower and they fought in the American Revolution, they didn't want war either. They wanted peace. When my grandfathers fought against Nazis in World War II and put their lives on the line, they did not want war. They wanted peace. And that's why we are here today. And war is not easy to talk about. Most of us have never experienced it. Some of us try to forget it. Some of us try to never even think about it because of how damning it is. And I, I don't blame most of you, but everyone here today thinks about it, understands how evil it is, and understands that the hell it truly raises. And if I can for a moment, I'd like to share a little bit of that hell with all of you right now. Because in Ukraine, 16 and 17 year old boys, not men, but boys, are being rounded up by the hundred and sent to the front in Bakhmut. And you know what happens when they get there? They get sent into trenches and they're told, you have four hours to live once you get sent out there. That's the average life expectancy of a Ukrainian soldier on the front in Bakhmut, four hours. And the blood the blood of those young men, the blood of every Russian. The blood All right, of online, one, two, three. Uh, I'm here to, to protest against the war. Uh, so I'm not sure whether Hinko is a grifter or not, but I'm checking it out. The region of fighting is on the hands of those in the United States Congress right now. The suits that they wear are drenched in their blood. The food that they eat is a blood stew. The halls of Congress that they go vote in to send 10 billion more dollars to Ukraine, the roofs are dripping with the blood of those Ukrainian soldiers. And if you listen closely, you can hear it right now. Okay. 
So I want to leave you with I want to leave you with something right now because people often ask me, you know, what is it that we can do? We're on the precipice of World War III. What is it that we can do? We want peace with the Russians. We want to build a new multipolar world. We want peace. We want prosperity. We want to lift the global masses out of poverty. That's what we all want, right? But there's a select few. There's a select few who understand that if they take us to World War III, and if they toy around with the idea of mutually assured destruction and nuclear Armageddon and hundreds of thousands of lives being lost, they stand to make a lot of money. So, what I need you all to do from this point onward is to continue this energy you have here today. Fight the information war. Demand not one more bullet, not one more tank, not one more gun, not one more piece of artillery, not one more dollar, not one more penny be sent to the Nazis in Ukraine. Demand peace. Thank you all for being here. Continue this energy. I'm just going to say the crowds are getting bigger and bigger. Congress taking quick action, approving a $13 billion deal to help Ukraine. School districts across our area tell us they're seeing significant increases in children that are homeless. I'm announcing another $800 million to further augment Ukraine. The revealing look at homelessness among the middle class. U.S. have announced new military assistance for Ukraine. They've promised an extra $713 million. We experienced as a county a 22% increase in homelessness. The Senate overwhelmingly passing a new $40 billion dollar Ukraine aid bill. We are warning the homeless problem we are seeing in Nashville. Is okay, online, one, two, three. Uh, Greg is a big uh, Ukrainian supporter, and I had an exchange of ideas with him, and I'll be happy to uh, have a separate discussion with you and Greg together in the future episode. Uh, please uh, DM me if you're so inclined to do so. All right, thank you. Pentagon announcing today it's sending a new $450 million military package to Ukraine. Tonight we are going in-depth on the issue of homelessness, of course, a growing problem. Uh, by the way, I observe the homeless people in Florida, in Memphis, and also in Washington, D.C. I uh, Just for safety concerns, I did not approach the homeless people in Washington, D.C. because uh, I was uh, victimized in Memphis uh, for some uh, and uh, incurred uh, a damage of uh, about $2,600. Sacramento's homeless population had a jump of 67%. The White House now asking Congress for more than $13 billion in additional military aid. More than 2,500 students within the district don't have a place to call home. Yeah, Katie, and that's a thousand more from last year. The Biden administration is to send another $600 million military package to Ukraine. There's a stark warning from city officials tonight as a single record number of families out of the streets. $275 million to meet Ukraine's critical security and defense needs. L.A. County City is close now to declaring a state of emergency over homelessness. The White House is also asking for $37.7 billion to fund the war in Ukraine. Housing prices are up 17% from the previous year. And you can see the fallout of that just right behind me here. administration is terrible. Republicans and Democrats have absolutely failed us, especially when it comes to this war. 
I think the United States really needs to start looking at different options. And on that note, I would love to introduce 2016 Green Party presidential candidate Jill Stein. Thank you so much for being here, third party in spirit. A third party power player. Wow, you are beautiful. It is so wonderful to be here today to see us all across the political spectrum. And I just want to say, in my experience, it's not so much a matter of right or left. It's really a question of the few elites at the top versus all the rest of us. And that's what they are afraid of. So we're here today not just to rage against the war machine, we're here to dismantle the war machine because it is hurting us all, no one more than the people of Ukraine who are the cannon fodder in this superpower proxy war. We need a movement to overcome the powerful special interests behind the war machine, the war profiteers, the fossil fuel barons, the health insurance barons who are profiting from the carnage. And in the interest of building that movement, I want to clarify today some of the forbidden truths that we are not supposed to talk about. These are the empowering truths the war machine does not want us to know. This is especially for the benefit of the people who are just waking up to realize that we are all in the crosshairs of this crisis. Martin Luther King spoke the first forbidden truth nearly 60 years ago, that the U.S. war machine is the greatest purveyor of violence in the world today. And it is much bigger now, and it's impoverishing and endangering us all. It squanders two-thirds of our discretionary budget. It puts at grave risk virtually every dimension of our security, nuclear, economic, food, climate, energy, everything. Left to its own devices, the war machine with its proxy NATO will destroy life on the planet. It is in the process of doing that right now. The dimensions of the war machine, you may know, are quite totally off the charts. The U.S. has some 800 foreign bases, while Russia has about 30. Our so-called war on terror continues in a mind-boggling 85 countries. Do we hear about that? Not one bit. Our wars are going on in 85 countries. Our 840 billion, and that, by the way, is from the uh, Cost of War project at the Boston University, not exactly a hotbed of radicalism. These are the basic truths that we are not supposed to know. Our $840 billion military budget is equivalent to the next nine military budgets combined, and the $100 billion we are spending to support war in Ukraine, that alone is greater than the entire annual Russian military budget. We've conducted over 250 military interventions in the past 20 years alone and killed a staggering 6 million people in just a portion 
of the so-called U.S. war on terror. This murderous military spending consumes resources desperately needed here at home by 70,000 people who die each year for lack of health insurance, for a half million homeless people on any given night out on the streets, for 33 million mired in student debt, 100 million in medical debt, 22 million impoverished children, and on and on. U.S. imperial aims are clearly stated in our official military policy known as full-spectrum dominance, an all-purpose declaration of war for all time against all economic and military competitors, friend or foe, which leads to the second forbidden truth, namely that the U.S. empire has been provoking war with Russia for decades. However murderous and illegal the Russian invasion is, and all wars are murderous, and almost all wars are illegal, that Russian invasion was a provoked response to an even bigger, more murderous, illegal game plan of the U.S. Empire, in which defeating Russia is just one small part. So yes, Russia illegally invaded Ukraine, but did so with a gun to its head, or in this case, nuclear-compatible missiles to its head. When the roles were reversed and Russian nukes were at our doorstep in the Canadian Missile Crisis, our response was what? It was to begin immediately launching nuclear war. That puts Russia's invasion in perspective and makes it rather moderate by comparison. Khrushchev and Kennedy had the good sense to back off and negotiate. We need to follow their example now. Instead of engaging peace overtures, the U.S. has been throwing billions in weapons and economic aid to keep this war alive, even blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline, it appears, to prevent Germany from backing out in the face of economic disaster. If the U.S. wasn't afraid of finding out, of confirming that we were the ones behind the Nord Stream disaster, we would be investigating, not celebrating, which is what we are doing. So I just want to add, the nuclear threat produced by all of this is an emergency of the highest order, and we are all in the crosshairs of this emergency. Yet our leaders are playing a game of nuclear chicken, pretending nuclear war is winnable. If as few as 100 nuclear bombs are dropped, that alone is enough to trigger nuclear winter, which means most of us are going and we're on our way out. So this is absolutely unacceptable. Also, the Ukraine conflict is accelerating destruction of the climate, which is already at the brink of collapse. The bottom line is this. This war and the war machine that it's a part of are endangering and impoverishing all of us. Martin Luther King had it right, not only about the U.S. being the greatest purveyor of violence, but also that militarism doesn't stand alone. It is joined at the hip with what Martin Luther King called the triple evil of militarism, racism, and materialism. That's why the crisis of empire is inseparable from the crisis of racial and economic equality and the crisis of democracy, 
that allows our policies to be bought and paid for by the highest bidders, in this case, Wall Street and the war profiteers. On each of these crises, we have hit the breaking point. For that reason, and the practical matter of reaching critical mass, we need a broad movement for peace, justice, and democracy with us against the political and economic elites, the 1% against the 99. We need that broad movement. And as a first step, we need an immediate ceasefire and negotiations to ensure the security and autonomy of all parties as provided in the Minsk Accords. This is not rocket science. As Frederick Douglass said, power concedes nothing without a demand. It never has, it never will. We are here today to build that demand until it cannot be denied. Our very lives depend on it. Thank you so much for making it happen. Fantastic speech. Thank you, Jill. How's everyone doing? Does this feel good to be here in D.C. raging against the war machine? We got a lot more great people you're going to hear from. Next is Gerald Salenti. He is the publisher of the Trans Journal and the founder of Occupy Peace, Gerald Salenti. I don't know if it was Jesus, Muhammad, or Buddha, but one of them said, you better boogie before the lights go out because tomorrow is iffy. <laughs> and boy, is it iffy. Rage against the war machine. Rage, I looked up what it means, to show that you are very angry about something or someone. He raged against the injustice of all. And that's what it is. Anger. I am angry. And he who is not angry when there is just cause for anger is immoral. Why? Because anger looks to the good of justice. And if you can live amid injustice without anger, you are immoral as well as unjust. That was from St. Thomas Aquinas. Joe Biden, that guy, you know? He says he's a practicing Catholic. <laughs> I don't know what Prince of Peace he looks up to, man. But hey, how about what St. Thomas Aquinas says? Now, there's a guy that loved every war, and he's a few years older than me, and was a draft dodger in Vietnam. All of these little tough guys with a pair of cojones smaller than a mothball that love to send people to go die. How about 
about Bill Clinton? Every time he got caught with his pants down, he bombs away on the bad day. How about the Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner? I want that guy who saw that. No, no, you have to say it properly, Sonetti. You said it like you're an Italian. Assad has to go. Gaddafi has to go. We have to murder all of these people all over the world. And I'm going to bring the troop surgeon and I'll win a Nobel Peace Prize. But you have to do it properly. You have to keep saying folks. Folks, folks. And that's all he did was focus. <laughs> at the mainstream media prostitutes. <laughs> hey, I said a balloonista. That's the mainstream media whores who balloon up foreign threats. They are whores. All they do is keep selling war, hate, fear, and hysteria. They ban us who speak for peace, love, facts, and freedom. The big story, the big story, making a news. Vice President Kamala Harris <laughs> announced that the United States formally determined that Russia committed crimes against humanity. Hey, Harris. Did you like the Iraq war? How many people did Miss Stein say America's killed? How about those crimes against humanity? And where's the Cartoon News Network, CNN? Oh, showing everything the crap spewing out of Kamala's mouth, but never showed every day of Americans being slaughtering people all over Iraq. They never show the Americans 20-year war in Afghanistan slaughtering people every day. But every day they have the Ukraine war. Every day they're media pimps. I am angry. Yep, because anger looks toward the good of justice and the Congressional Crime Syndicate running and ruining America by their constant warmongering deeds is immoral. They call where we are Washington. Guess what? Washington must be turning in his grave to see the little freaks that they call Congress that they call Washington. This is President Washington, a guy that crossed the Delaware, that really fought, not like you little guys playing president, not like you little boys and girls playing Congress. Can you imagine Mitch McConnell fighting, <laughs> little Lindsey Graham fighting, <laughs> little Adam Schiff fighting? <laughs> George Washington warns us, his farewell address, no foreign entanglements. <laughs> Quote, 
It is our true policy to steer clear of permanent alliances with any portion of the foreign world. The nation which indulges towards another's habitual hatred or habitual fondness is in some degree a slave. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Slavelandia. Because that's what they've done to us. The plantation workers of Slavelandia. Jill Stein and others gave all the facts about how the war machine is robbing us of our money. And look at the lights of what's happening in this country. I launched Occupy Peace nearly a decade ago. And I've had a number of peace rallies. Our platform is honor the founding fathers. Close up all of those bases overseas and bring the troops home. Secure the homeland with our troops. Give them skills, put them to work rebuilding our third world rotted infrastructure. <laughs> and then finally, you want to go to war? Let the people vote. 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 Not these little clowns, these little gutless boys and girls that love to get us killed as they keep taking money in their pockets from the defense industry. Morons and imbeciles call it campaign contributions. Adults call it bribes and payoffs. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for what you're doing. United we stand, dividing we die. And thank you all for putting this on. Thank you. I'm feeling the righteous anger. Do you all feel angry in a righteous way? Yeah! You've come from all over the country to put aside differences and stand up to the war machine that has brought us to the brink of nuclear annihilation. The neocons that have seamlessly shifted from administration to administration. From Reagan, Bush 41, Clinton, Bush 43, Obama, Trump, and to Biden, they are fully in control and they imperil humanity. And for coming to this rally, we've been smeared as, quote, not anti-war. Well, let's not confuse being anti-war with pacifism. Any honest observer knows that responsibility for this war is not in Moscow, it's here in Washington. It's in the State Department, it's in the Pentagon, it's in the White House. Russia didn't expand west. NATO expanded east up to Russia's border. And while pacifism is great in an ideal world, 
There's nothing ideal about the U.S. wars of aggression against Iraq, against Libya, against Syria, and so many other countries. Any leader, any people would defend themselves as Russia is today. War is hell, but blaming both sides obfuscates reality. One person can end this war. His name isn't Vladimir Putin. It's Joe Biden. The U.S. is at war with Russia. But this war is not only about regime change and dismembering Russia, it's also about implementing a system of technocratic dictatorship all over the world, run by the, the very scientific, the science technological elite that President Eisenhower warned us about in 1961. It's about digital IDs and central bank digital currencies. The ruling class seeks to implement the ultimate form of control over our minds and bodies. And Ukraine is the laboratory. Through the 2014 coup d'etat and eight years of war, the once sovereign state of Ukraine has been made a subsidiary of Silicon Valley giants, Amazon, Google, and Microsoft. It's an avatar, avatar state, its officials, are disciples of Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum. And this is funded by Samantha Power at USAID, right over there. This digital transformation is being exported to other countries, and if we don't defeat it, it will come home to roost here in the United States. People who participate in rallies like this can be cut off from your bank accounts, disallowed into society. So this is the threat we f we face domestically. This new this new form of technocratic fascism. But this permanent war against Russia isn't enough. We're being prepared for war against China too. The same government that's telling us to not worry about chemical spills in East Palestine, Ohio, or that nuclear war is just a natural part of our lives is telling us that balloons in the sky are the real threat. And it's not just the, the great powers of Russia and China that the U.S. is seeking to destroy. We're being prepared for war on Haiti. As we've seen with every other U.S. war of aggression, the propaganda apparatus needs a figure to demonize Saddam in Iraq, Gaddafi in Libya, Assad in Syria, Putin in Russia, Xi in China, and in Haiti, it's a leader named Jimmy Cherizier. His nickname is Barbecue. The mainstream media would tell you that this man is a mass murderer, he's a gang leader, he's a killer. And I'm here to tell you, the media is lying. These lies are paving the way for war. Today, Canada is doing the U.S.'s dirty work. Justin Trudeau sent a war plane to surveil Haiti, to disrupt gangs. And now it's deploying naval forces to patrol Haitian waters. Canadian, thank you, yes, Canadians, brave Canadians speaking out. Canadian military contractors are operating troll farms, impersonating Haitians to make it appear that they want to be invaded. Lastly, we have to oppose all aspects of the military-industrial complex. Not just the number one Pentagon contractor, Lockheed Martin, or the number two, Boeing, but number five, Pfizer. 
behind Moderna. We have to recognize that the biopharma complex is inseparable from the military-industrial complex. We have to understand that the COVID-19 response, lockdowns, and experimental injections were deadly war measures imposed against us by the Pentagon. We don't fight, we don't oppose the biosecurity regime. We're fighting the war machine with one hand behind our back. Information is power. Stay informed. Fight back. special, Nellie Mackay, singer-songwriter, Broadway performer, all-American irritant to the powerful. She's coming up. She's going to be performing for us. Hey, Brady, this is your type. Brady. to see so many people come out like this. It really warms my heart and it reminds me of my best friend, Barry Crimmins, who 
who's a hilarious and courageous comedian, a staunch critic of the U.S. government, and I know if he was alive, he'd be here today. Look, there's a balloon. <laughs> <laughs> it's right collar. <laughs> All right, so I'll hold this. So I've been thinking of my friend Barry Crimmins. He was a hilarious and courageous comedian. He was a staunch critic of the U.S. government, who I know if he was alive would want to be here today. And people would always ask him, hey, if you don't like America, why don't you move to another country? And he would say, because then I'd become a victim of our foreign policy. <laughs> it's not working. People can't hear it back. Why is this? A, it's too low. <laughs> it was just really loud. And then it got really low. Can we make it louder? No. Can we make it louder? Where's the guy? Is it over here? Can you make it louder? Can you make it louder? No, you can't make it louder. Oh, there you go. There you go. Holy shit, that was hard, huh? What the fuck? All right, I'm not going to start over, but I should. Start over? All right. So I'm reminded... When I look out here, my friend Barry Crimmins, who was a hilarious and he was a courageous comedian, he was a staunch critic of the U.S. government. If he was alive, I'm sure he'd be here today. People would always ask him, hey, if you don't like America so much, if you're such a critic, why don't you move to another country? And he said, I would, but then I'd become a victim of our foreign policy. <laughs> so it worked twice. He used to say there's a reason why there's no viable third party in America. It's because corporations don't want to cut a third check. <laughs> and that's a shame because the two parties in America that we have just ain't cutting it. They both support sending over $100 billion to Ukraine. We could have spent that money saving lives with universal health care, but instead we spend that money taking lives overseas, which is our specialty. We send them what we call foreign aid. Foreign aid, that's money to another country. We drop care packages on their heads from the sky, but it's not full of food. And, it's, and the only money we have left over, we're going to spend shooting down hobby balloons. <laughs> Can you imagine if the Independence Day was just about balloons? I mean, the movie. Right? The aliens are invading, and man, they are taking their time. <laughs> At least Macy's figured out how to make a balloon look like somebody. They could attack us with Superman or something. Would Mickey Mouse's adorable ears eavesdropping on our cell phone conversations be so much worse than the NSA? I don't think so. Do you know we can end this war today through diplomacy, but our politicians want to enrich weapons manufacturers so they keep donating to them to the tune of a hundred billion dollars. Is called America a mafia state. Systems of governance that are seized by a tiny cabal become mafia states. The military industrial complex and the Ukraine war represent an orgy of looting and corruption. 
America is the most powerful mafia that has ever existed. And the hitmen in that mafia have military pilot licenses. The difference, we will, the difference between our government these days and the mafia in the 1940s, well, the mafia in the 1940s helped defeat the Nazis. <laughs> they used longshoremen and union leaders. It's a sad thing, you can't even trust the mafia anymore. Do you know what America really needs? We need to take the money out of Ukraine and give it to everybody here so we can buy a balloon and a gun. That's <laughs> the only way we can settle this. We all need to be floating around shooting each other down out of the sky. Better yet, the guns shoot vaccine syringes. <laughs> yeah, that's America. Eat boosters, you motherfuckers. <laughs> America is so corrupt, even our war, our, our, our peace prize winners are war criminals. <laughs> Barack Obama won a peace prize and he immediately ramped up the war in Afghanistan, started bombing Libya, put a hit on Osama bin Laden, dropped 26,000 bombs in Syria. And that's the thing about those peace prizes. <laughs> Nobody ever tries to win a second one. <laughs> I have a list of things we could have bought with that hundred billion dollars instead of spend, sending it to Ukraine for killing people. Instead of sending money to Ukraine, we could get a President Biden a dog that knows where to lead him when a press conference is over. <laughs> we sent enough money to Ukraine to buy everybody a tank of gas. For all the money we've given to Ukraine, do you know how many eggs we could buy? Almost a dozen. With a hundred billion dollars, you know they could say you can end homelessness for twenty to forty billion dollars. We could have ended homelessness, then restart homelessness, then say we were only kidding, and then end it again. <laughs> We, we can't end homelessness in America. We can't even fix the bridges that the homeless people live under. That's how corrupt we are. Every American for $100 billion could have had a home. But it's way more important that we make sure nobody in Ukraine has a home because now it's going to be turned into a crater. We could give every homeless person in America $160,000. Or, if you want to help Americans but still show our support for Ukraine, we could buy every homeless person in the United States 7,000 Ukraine flag fleece blankets. <laughs> we could use that $100 trillion. $100 billion would have provided universal health care to all the people in Algeria, Botswana, Morocco, Rwanda, the Philippines, Sri Lanka, Thailand, Romania, Croatia, Mexico, and Peru. Oh, wait. Those countries already have universal health care. <laughs> My bad. For the $100 billion, we could buy two FTX collapses. <laughs> For $100 billion, we could buy every person on Earth a blue check mark on Twitter. Because shouldn't we all have an equal opportunity to be insufferable assholes? <laughs> For a hundred billion dollars, we could get Chick-fil-A to stay open on Sundays and perform gay weddings. <laughs> For a hundred billion dollars, we could buy an entire separate Russian invasion of Ukraine and have enough left over to pay Hunter Biden's monthly salary for the rest of his life. 
For a hundred billion dollars, we could break the Bank of England three times. We could buy every man, woman, and child in America an opportunity to pick something really nice from the Goop catalog. I know I didn't get that joke either. We, for a hundred billion dollars, we could have the entire cast of Shark Tank dropped into an actual Shark Tank. We could pay for 90 Alex Jones lawsuits. We could buy a shit ton of balloons to spy on China and still have enough money left over for complete regulatory capture. Isn't that special? We could have gotten like five experimental drugs approved. For a hundred billion dollars, we can remake the Marvel Avengers movie with the entire original cast, but as a porno. <laughs> we could do that 90 times over. We could have spent that money on transportation, high-speed rail, but it was more important to fund the people who duct take somebody to a lamppost with their pants pulled down. We could cure cancer, but Big Farmer wouldn't be happy with that because they prefer six people instead of healthy ones. With the money we sent to Ukraine, we can hire an entirely separate new police force to protect us from the current police force. <laughs> we could have funded everyone having free college instead of buying a Mount Kilimanjaro's worth of blow for Zelensky. <laughs> Why are we sending that money to Nazis in Ukraine it, when we could be funding Nazis here in America struggling to buy eggs? <laughs> Isn't that just like our government to neglect all the Nazis we have here in America? <laughs> this is really a fight over nuclear war. Just across the road, there's a statue of Albert Einstein, and man, he looks depressed. He once said, if I could do it all over again, I'd be a plumber. You know why he said that? I thought it was because his toilet was always backed up. And it was because the military-industrial complex used his science to kill people. They took Einstein's discovery and used it to melt the skin of Japanese civilians, entire cities full of children and animals, extinguished in less than a minute. Generations poised, poisoned by radiation. Bombs today are much more powerful than those bombs we dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I know there's some people who wouldn't show up to this peace rally, this anti-war rally, because of some of the speakers they didn't like on this stage. And I get what they're saying. They're saying, hey, I want to help stop a nuclear war, but not with those people. <laughs> I get it. I'm the same way. My house caught on fire a couple of months ago, and when the firemen showed up, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's your views on Social Security and Medicare? <laughs> I mean, I get this is a scary situation. My house is on fire. First, I need to get your stance on LGBTQ and gender-affirming surgery. I know my house is burning down, but are you vaxxed? <laughs> I need to see proof of at least one booster. <laughs> I need to know what your position is on gender-affirming surgery. What age should it start and what's your cutoff? And they're standing there looking at me like I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> I guess you don't get to put out my fire then and my house is going to burn down. I hope you're happy. <laughs>
So when people give me a litmus test and they ask me what kind of lefty am I, I always say I'm a Sandy Koufax lefty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when it comes down to survival, which this is, there is no gift basket with a card thanking you for your participation. You don't get everything you attended to, like in a hotel, but maybe you do get to survive. And that's the whole point. Save the nitpicking for Whole Foods. The people who won't be attending today had never any intentions of doing so. And if it wasn't one of the speakers, it would have been the weather. It would have been because they have more important things to do than survive. We'll be home watching CNN not cover this all day. The people who don't want to attend this rally because they don't like a speaker reminds me of what W.C. Fields said, that he won't drink water because fish fucking it. <laughs> you have to work with people you disagree with big time, even sometimes people you hate, because we need each other to survive. That's a good advice to all the calling uh, folks. I'm reminded of we the need each other to survive. Who said, I will join with anyone to do good, but with no one to do bad. If Black Panthers can march hand in hand with the KKK down Las Vegas Boulevard to get welfare payments reinstated, we can join hands with the right wing, the libertarians, the left, the socialists, the communists, everybody to stop a nuclear war. And what's happening right here at this rally is what actually scares the hell out of the establishment. Everybody from the left, everybody from the right, everybody from the middle coming together to realize that we have more in common than divides us and we share a common enemy. That enemy is the military industrial complex and the oligarchy. The same oligarchy that did a controlled demolition of our economy and then they want me to hate my neighbor for the pain I'm feeling because of that because they wouldn't take a vaccine that didn't work the way they said it did in the first fucking place. Well, I'm not gonna hate my neighbor. I'm gonna love my neighbor. Because my neighbor is suffering under the same oligarchy that I'm suffering under, and he didn't cause it. The oligarchy did, and they don't want us to join together. And I have one message for the right and the left. If everybody on the right could just realize that not everybody on the left likes Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, we just want to end the wars and have health care that doesn't bankrupt us, that would go a long way. And if everybody on the left could just realize that not everybody on the right is a white supremacist Trumper gun nut, they're just fucking gun nuts. <laughs> I love you. Love each other. Come together. I'll see you at the next anti-war rally.
for being here. We're going to have some incredible music coming up for you next. Was there anybody here who, who might have attended a Ron Paul rally in the past? Ron Paul fans in the house. He's going to be speaking soon, but uh, right before that, uh, we're going to have, have some music for you. We're going to hear from Jordan Page and Tatiana Moroz. All right, music time. I think we're, they're waiting for Ron Paul to make a speech. So, what I should do, Brady? Any suggestion, Brady? Looking forward to it. Or just start asking people questions. Like, I'd like to yeah. see them ask ask some questions on what they think the best way to end war is. Oh, I see. Uh, okay. All right. I'm gonna walk around to start asking questions. Hey, you guys. Oh, you know what? Someone's calling. So, uh, uh, I think it's Jacob. Hey, Jacob. Go ahead. Are you there, Jacob? Yes, go ahead. Go ahead. What's the assignment? Oh, you want to ask, answer my questions? Take it away, guys. Yes, uh, actually the crowd is actually very nice now. I think it's a, almost like a 85% packed. Because they're playing music, so... I don't think it's a. Pr uh, my, my phone is not good enough to transmit music. So I'm going to step away a little bit just to see whether you guys have uh, uh, any thoughts on, on your mind. <laughs> oh, thank you. Within about two weeks, I'll have my website up. So, I'm going to share with you guys uh, some of my initial thoughts, okay? I felt that uh, all these speakers are amazing. And uh, I felt like uh, I'm stealing someone's uh, intellectual properties by uh, broadcast, uh, by uh, by uh, recording this podcast and then publish it. Uh, but again, you know, I think uh, I think I probably don't need to ask the uh, participants here to uh, answer my questions because they all look to me quite uh, educated and well informed on this uh, rage against the war machine topic. So I think I'm going to save my questions for 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 other occasions, and uh, and I'm just going to listen, uh, finish up listening to the speakers around Paul. I'm guessing probably he will be the last one, and uh, that should be it. Okay, let me take, uh, take some phone calls. Yes, Brady. Sabby Sabs. She should be front and center. 
Uh, it'd be cool if he links up with the RBN network. Okay, you're saying you're saying she will be uh, on the on the uh, in 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 the speaker. Is that what you're saying? She's there recording the event as well, so you'll see her um, with her camera set up right in,、oh, okay. in front of the organization. You might it might be cool if you、uh, linked up with her. Okay. Said, By the、hey, way, I, I I do see the Russian flags. I do see the Soviet Union flags. I do see all kinds of flags. So、uh, actually, let me、uh, make you speaker, and I'll take、uh, Amanda's call. Hey Amanda. Hey Peter. How are you? I don't know if you can hear me.、Uh, yes, I can hear you perfectly. I'm、oh. trying to walk away from the music. I was just gonna say you should probably at some point because I know we're enjoying this, but you should probably at some point enjoy being at the rally. Just oh, I, I, no, I, I'm good. I, I'm good. I mean, I, I also saw the Chinese uh, Central New uh, TV station <laughs> taking a.、Uh, Yeah, it's hilarious. It's a whole mix of、uh, people, and.、Uh, Great! I just want to make sure that you're getting a chance to have the experience. Too,、so、you know. Oh yeah! Oh, I enjoyed it. I. What I say? I think I'm good because、uh, I've been out on the trip、uh, from Key West, Florida, to Alabama, to Tennessee, to DC. So I think、uh, I have to start a new job、uh, Monday tomorrow first thing. Uh, getting my、uh, company laptop and、uh, and all that, so so I should be good. But、uh, this is real good. I will tell you.、Uh, well, I'm glad、like、that you were there and that, that you're here on call in for us because the sound has been really great.、I'm、oh really? Okay, I will、here. go back to the same spot、uh, to when the when the next speakers are. So yeah, I mean, I feel、uh, great. And、uh, well, I had made a comment、uh, earlier before I attend this rally that I love everything happened here. But I think、uh, to have a war against the war machine, it has to be a global effort, and uh, uh, it has to be a na、uh, national effort. In, and uh, and uh, but this is great. I mean, I just cannot believe how how the crowds、uh, are, are so engaged and so excited. That they all have all kinds of、uh, signage and all that. Have an idea. Go ahead, Betty. Have I shared the Have I shared the proposal for peace that we came up with the other day from Chat GPT? Could Could you repeat that? I'm sorry, Betty. I'm gonna put a link. I'm gonna put a link in the chat, and it's、okay. gonna be a link to the proposal for peace that we had from Chat GPT. Oh, oh like, nice. Nice.、Uh -huh. I'd、Go、like、ahead. to know how people can make that better, or how they'd like to change it, or what they'd like to add to it, or ask them what they think, and uh, maybe uh, we can、uh, come up with a better version today and pass it around and、um, well, see what、uh, edits on it. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. I here's what I my, my thoughts are. First of all, is that pretty? I think、uh, you need to produce、uh, more cowbell for this kind of activity, right? Second is that I don't think we're missing the boat here because、uh, I personally truly believe that the Ukraine war is going to last at least three years. There will be more bloodshed. 
more treasures to be spent. And uh, so I think there will be more protests down the road. I think this is only the start. So your peace proposal, and I think you still have time to come up with you know a more refined version. But I just think you probably need to go out and engage more activists, more brains, to get just get it, you know. And, That's the uh, idea is we need help editing it. We need help refining it because I mean, yeah, I'm a yeah, good I just writer, think. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think anyone who is on this uh, uh, listener's uh, queue, and uh, I think you should reach out to Brady just to, you know, if you have time. Because I definitely cannot be a good uh, critique for for writing, right? I would need help from Amanda, for example. <laughs> you know, I know for sure. Go ahead, sorry. Brady, I, I miss it. What did you say? link i'm gonna drop the link in the chat cool and then uh yeah we did a refined version of this we could actually even pass it out to mexico but yeah i think more cowbell more cowbell noted oh yeah yeah i love it because uh, i think already the republican presidential uh uh candidates are showing up now they will debate on the ukrainian war same with the, the uh, Democrat side. There will be so many opportunities down the road. And, uh, you know, and uh, as a fact, I mean, who, uh, I, I wonder uh, whether Amanda knows uh, this guy, uh, Charlie. I think Charlie is uh, on the inside track with the calling app, right? I think there should be more uh, promotion about the call-in because uh, like in DC area, when I'm traveling, uh, I find out DC should be a great market for calling uh, uh, to for, to encourage you know a lot of DC folks who live and work here they all have their own opinions analysis I think it would be nice to you know I almost had a gorilla marketing uh, campaign idea for Charlie is just print out those little stickers about calling and stick it on those telephone poles and uh, on the trees so people can walk by and say oh okay there's an app called call in and there will be more participants in the call-calling community. You know? Exactly, that's what you should do. That's a brilliant idea. Just invite everyone there so, to but, call in. Yeah, because I do not know Charlie personally, so I'm, but I'm pretty sure someone do. Like I know William, he mentioned that he, he has reached out to Charlie about what he wanted for, for calling apps and all that. But I have never reached out to Charlie. But I just think if he printed out a lot of those little stickers, just hire some high school kids and just stick on those uh, flagpoles, trees, you know, the handlebar on the subway station. Because I think DC is a good, uh, 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 good uh, area to to get uh, calling more popular, you know. So anyway, I think we're just waiting for Ron Paul. I, I do not. I think they have more speakers, but I'm just impressed with all the speakers so far. So I'm going to stick around. Oh, I saw Celeste's comment about my, the battery of my phone. I have a backup battery just uh, charging the phone at the same time, so I can last for for hours and hours. hours.
Yes. Oh, you are you are in calling? Yes. What what's your name? Pedro. Pedro. You are Pedro. Are you the Pedro I'm calling? Yes. You are. Nice meeting you. Hey guys, I met. I'm meeting with Pedro right now. Where are you from, Pedro? Portugal. Portugal. All right. Do you live and work here in Colin? I'm oh, sorry, in, in DC. Uh, okay. I was just talking to uh, folks here. Hey guys, I met a Colin guy finally. <laughs> Pedro, I was in his room so many times and harassing him. Now I gotta meet him in person. This is a hilarious. Can I say something? Just go ahead. Hi, people. Let me see. Huh? Let, I'll show you who are here. Oh, okay. So I see. I see the usual people. How's everybody? Not everybody. Okay. I am under. I Marco. I Sally. I Phil. I Maria. I Rudy. And I Jonathan. And that's the only people I know. Talk to you later. Yeah, Pedro. Actually, I was just telling the guys here. I said DC should be a good uh, uh, market for calling. So I was hoping the Charlie, the the I think he's in inside track of the calling app developer, right? Uh -huh, yes. He right should right. print out some little stickers, stickers like a stick to those, uh, like a like a like a lamppost, like a trees to advertise more about the calling. Yes, yes. You know. Yes. I think it's because I think DC a lot of people works in the government. Yes, yes. Lot works in the politics. Uh -huh. They should have a lot of ideas. Yes. They should be hosting things and discussion. Yes. Uh, there are two. Uh, what's the name? Uh, there is there is one senator that is on calling. Forgot his name. Oh, there's a senator actually on calling. Yeah. Uh, uh, I forgot his name. There are two. One oh. senator and one ex senator. Oh, nice. So Justin Amash is. A ex I do. I, yes, I do. Uh, he's a lot. Yeah, he's a congressman. Yes, yeah, I uh, see. Used to be Jeffrey Nash. Uh, I see. Uh -huh. And there is another one from the Democratic Party, but I forgot his name. I see. I see. I see. Oh, it's a great honor to meet you here. I do not know you live in DC. Yeah. Did you drive all the way here, or, or no, you no, no, you live here? Nice, nice, nice. Seriously, I always thought you you live in, in like in a foreign country. Trust me, because okay. I I know I do not know Rudy actually is a U.S. citizen and all that. Yes. So, uh, Guys, you have any question for Pedro? How's your cat, Pedro? <laughs> oh, the cat, the cat is fine, yeah. The and, is and, fine. The, and the dog too. Marco met the cat the other day. By, <laughs> by and the other people met the dog. So that they, they are trying to get along with each other right now. <laughs> The cat is a little afraid of the dog, actually. <laughs> Maybe uh, Zelensky and the Putin should get, on the, get better along with each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know? well, I'm going to take a little walk around there. Sure, but sure. Good to see you, man. I'll be back later. Okay, okay, okay cool. See you later, people. All right. <laughs> Pedro, everybody. <laughs> That's a good question. I do not know, Zach. You want to call in and tell tell us? Pedro will be back. He's going to walk around. It's a pretty big crowd right now.
Returned. He said I should do a video, video uh, 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 streaming. I'll tell I'll tell you guys uh, why. I am still under the FBI investigation. Okay, the FBI believe I'm a Chinese spy. So I just met with a uh, Pedro. I'm gonna recruit him, Pedro, to be a Chinese spy also. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. Thank you for that. Okay, now I'm on investigation. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, guys. Go ahead, uh, CW. Go ahead. All right. Um, I was going to type in the comment about like, well, if there's just any call in. Yeah. Call, yes. Go ahead. Well, if there's any future war rally, I I don't know if it was a tweet or some comment or something, but um, an anti-war rally held at New York, especially well in front of Wall like Wall Street building, would have been much more poignant. Particular. Yes, uh, I agree with you. But however, I have to say, uh, DC is the center of power, right? True. You know? And uh, so uh, I'm not. I'm not uh, disagreeing with you. I think uh, I've said earlier. This is anti-war. The war machine is a uh, is global, and uh, the war against the war machine has to be global too. Uh, New York is definitely a major spot. No, no doubt. Yeah. So. And I did say at the beginning about like if there's like future anti-war rallies, they're not like um, definitely be interesting to see if one being planned in New York. Yes, you know I you know I what who I want to be in the anti-war uh, rally the uh, the uh, the uh, the homeless homeless people, you know. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I think New York probably can find home more, a lot more uh, homeless people. I mean, D.C., There's a, I saw homeless people already here, too. Oh, yeah, I believe. I've been DC, down there in D.C. a few times, and um, right in front of the train station, uh-huh. you will automatically see tents, for example. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. I'm sure if I went to the parks at certain times, I would probably see other tents if I, again, you know, mm -hmm. walk around yeah. certain areas. Absolutely. So, but organizing the homeless people, yeah, um, gonna have to find it. Well, one of the things is um, uh, finding ways of one keeping in contact because they're some are probably gonna be moving around a decent amount, and that includes trying to get like basic needs to them. <clears throat> For example, like. If you're one person, that's imagine how tough that is, tough that is, and like consistency. <clears throat> yeah, I think I know what you mean. I mean, I know they all carry a, a tent with them, right? I mean, you'll be yeah. nice to they agree to uh, they are okay to grab their tent and just move to one of those uh, sites of a protest, right? And oh, they yeah. just stay there because they don't give a fuck if the police arrest them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, the organizers just need to provide some logistics, maybe some food and water, right? Oh, and yeah. Uh, you know, oh yeah, like, like I said, I think this war is going to last at least three years, in my opinion, and uh, there will be two, two, two more years to go. And uh, you know, I think there will be more opportunity of, of this kind of pro, pro protest. 
Um, I guess another thing is, uh, well, how can we take advantage of the nonprofits? Like, it's because, well, the whole non nonprofit industrial complex we have an issue with. But the basic philosophy I have is just don't rely on them like electoral politics. But I feel that we think about like factors and points to make sure that we're that no one is just solely relying on these nonprofits. The, I mean, I mean, if you're talking about strategizing how to defeat the war machine. Oh yeah. Uh, for me, I mean, I I have mentioned this before. I am desperate for a viable third party, uh, a, a viable coalition of third parties. Like there's so many third parties, they are all split up. It's not going to help. You know what I see? I want to see a viable coalition of third parties. That so, is going to change some electoral uh, outcome just by analyzing uh, in different uh, district who is the pro-war, who is against the war, you know? Yeah. So that's what a coalition is. It's like we come together on this, like, certain mission, this point. But, well, there's got to be a way to talk to some of the parties because uh, libertarians, their overall philosophy, these are in stark contrast to the communist, socialist kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. No, no, I just finished what I just said. Yeah. Uh, so basically, Jimmy Dore said it very, very well earlier about the divide within ourselves is going to defeat ourselves, right? Right. So he has said, you know, he, you know, I can put it better than what he did already. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I was like, you know, what he said is applicable to all the call-in community members too, right? You know, you know, I have said in the past that we're all victims of, uh, mainstream media and, uh, and our government breaking laws. You know, we should, uh, try to heal each other, not, uh, help each other, not tearing each other apart. Right. Right. But, so. Oh, yeah, I agree. Well, I think one of the things that I'm going to think about is like, what do you say? It's like, okay, guys, you don't need to hang out and be their friends if you don't want to. But this, what our priorities of making sure we don't die in wars and starve to death, can we, we could come together for that. And heck, alliances are basic, heck, uh, the Soviet, the U.S. allied with the U.S.S.R. during World War II. I'll even throw that as an example I just said. Yeah, well, you know, the U.S. definitely has been a non-stop in some kind of war agenda. And, uh, you know, to me, you know, just a, like if someone drinking alcohol non-stop for five years, probably you should take a one-year break from alcohol. And, uh, yeah. right, so th that's how I see it. But, uh, but, uh, but then again, you know, I... Oh, by the way, like I said earlier, uh, I did not mention this earlier. I think uh, this guy, he's a fiery speaker. I, I did not get his name. Uh, he's an Italian, I believe. Uh, he, you know, he mentioned uh, Adam Schiff, Lindsey Graham, uh, Mitch O'Connell. I forgot to add my comment. 
at least two of these three people actually are lawyers. Majority of the lawmakers are lawyers. They know. They know. They are the expert of sending other children's, uh, uh, other people's children to war while they keep their own children safe. Yep. Pretty right? much. I mean, so, go back you know, to Vietnam. Exactly. So, <laughs> I'll tell you, you know, Chairman Mao of China, he is the only person said we have to fight white Americans in the battlefield of Korea. He put the money where his mouth is. He sent his own son to Korea and who got killed there and who was also buried in Korea. Wow. Okay. That means, you know, you know, Malcolm X is probably the most militant civil rights leader and he's he 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 dedicated his life to teaching us and you know what i'm saying so so now i i mean i you know i always said if you want to be a revolutionary you have to know the word sacrifice what does that mean so okay even i'm gonna bring something even any books on how to be a militant organizer just like Malcolm X. I know I came across a few books. I just, well, I wonder, one particular book about like militant union organizing, but I'm, well, maybe I should pull it back up at some point, but I'm hoping maybe there's could be other books on how to become militant. <clears throat> what I find out is amazing is this. You know, we, uh, in today's uh, uh, mainstream media, they say, "Oh, these people are white nationalists." It's uh, uh, and uh, uh, back in the old days, uh, Malcolm X is being called a uh, black nationalist. There's nothing wrong to be a nationalist in America. I'll tell you why. Why would you black or white? Each person in this country, under the law, under the Constitution, is a sovereign person. It's a sovereign person that we have all the rights to protect ourselves against the government. You know, so you know, so and uh, and uh, that include arm yourself. If you're arming yourself, if the exercising Second Amendment is a militant, so be it. You know, and I, of course, it's never advocate violence. But I'm just saying that 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 uh, that uh, historically, historically, like I've said it before, without the Civil War, uh, the slaves uh, will not be freed. Without the Second World War, the Jews will die in the gas chamber. And, you know, so what you're going to say? And, uh, there will be a time that uh, each person has to rise up. And, uh, and uh, as I said, I will never condone wars. I will never condone mass shootings. But I also want to point out, it means a lot when people say no justice, no peace. Absolutely. Um. I think that's about it, and I'll uh, look for you know, someone to chat about Malcolm X. Let, let me check. Let me check a set checkbox. Yeah, I will say yes. The socialist pizza says I, I listened to the audio book of Malcolm X uh, auto, autobiography, so it's 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 a nicely done. So, um, thanks for having me on. Oh, no problem. Thank you.
I don't know what happened to Ron Paul. He's not here yet. Okay, got it. Uh, social, this pizza. I did not know that. Yes, Adrian. Yeah, I think uh, there should be a campaign to recruit the homeless uh, because. Uh, I just think it's good to show the our government uh, they are the root cause of these homeless people, not these people themselves. And and the government is paying no attention to these homeless people. And I have I have uh, come across uh, uh, homeless people of of all colors. In case uh, you guys did not know, uh, one group, uh, one type of homeless people I observe actually are those who live in a vehicle, in a van or in a in a car. Uh, I saw so many of them in Florida. I'm pretty sure there will be many in Florida, uh, in uh, California. You no, know, I think my my guess my estimation is that those homeless people likely will end up in those uh, uh, a warmer climate, so they will not be frozen to death. And uh, and uh, so I guess I'm going to see a lot more homeless in California because that's what I've been told. I saw it, Lai. So you, 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 you. I guess you do not like uh, Jimmy Adore because of his anti-vax. I hear you. Yeah, to me, I don't. I don't think I'm anti-vax, but uh, I am for something called a uh, personal sovereignty. Uh, sometimes you can call the body autonomy. Like I said earlier, it is America is a very special country because our law is very special. Our constitution, our Declaration of Independence, is is based on the uh, uh, a, 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 a assumption, uh, a, a theory. Not just all men are created equal. And the most important thing is this: each man or woman in these days is their own personal sovereign. You are you are you. A man is the master of his domain. A woman is the queen of her castle. That's the most fundamental American belief. 
And that that kind of a right, they, it's not given by a king or a queen or by a government. It's a given by a divine entity that no government and no other private person can take away. So that is the big deal. So so I'm not about anti-vax. I'm about just do that person has complete sovereignty over his or her own body. He also rigged the election of 1996 to prevent the people of Russia from throwing out So I'm going back to the speaker. He also backed Finland, Mujahideen in Bosnia, Kosovo, and Chechnya. And he expanded NATO in 1999, bringing in Hungary, Poland, and the Czech Republic. The great Ron Paul, congressman from Texas at the time, warned that this would not, this would not strengthen NATO, but weaken it by provoking right-wing nationalist ethnic backlash against the new order in Europe. W. Bush sponsored color-coded revolutions in Georgia, Ukraine, and Kyrgyzstan. He brought nine more nations into NATO, and in 2008 at Bucharest promised to bring Ukraine and Georgia into America's military alliance as well. He also tore up the anti-ballistic missile treaty and installed Mark 41 missile launchers in Romania and Poland, which are dual-use launchers that can hold Tomahawk cruise missiles, which can be tipped with hydrogen bombs violating the spirit of the INF Treaty. Barack Obama did a lot of things, but the worst thing that he did was he overthrew the government of Ukraine for the second time in 10 years, in 2014, in the phony Maidan Revolution, which was really a coup accomplished by no-fooling, Hitler-loving Nazis on the ground. Now, Donald Trump came in and was falsely accused of being a pro-Russian traitor. So what did he do? He poured hundreds of millions of dollars worth of arms into Ukraine to prove that it wasn't so. He sent more trainers and added more sanctions on Russia. And whether he was in on it or not, his government tried to overthrow the government of Belarus in 2020. He also increased naval exercises in the Black and Baltic and Oshkosh Seas and Air Force exercises over Europe. He also, on his way out, Donald Trump tore up Ronald Reagan's great achievement, the Intermediate Nuclear Forces Treaty of 1987 and George Bush Sr.'s great achievement, the Open Skies Treaty of 1992. Joe Biden has been bad on every bit of this the whole time. As a United States Senator, as Vice President, where he oversaw the 2014 coup, and as President of the United States, where he spent his first year in office, 2021, pouring more arms into Ukraine, reiterating promises to bring them into the NATO alliance, and, func and increasing military interoperability between their military and ours, making them essentially a de facto member of NATO. 
Now, the Biden administration told the media that they were carefully calibrating the amount of weapons that they were pouring into Ukraine in order to deter Russia from attacking without provoking them into doing so. Now, either they're really terrible at, at calibration and deciding uh, just how many weapons to pour in to prevent a war, or they were lying about that, and they were trying to cause a war. And even though that might sound a little conspiratorial, there's very good reason to think so. It's clear that in the run-up to the war, the Biden administration refused to engage in any real diplomacy to prevent it from happening. And uh, not only that, interfered with peace talks in March and April of last year, which could have brought an early end to the war. Still, this war was not inevitable. Vladimir Putin and his men obviously have their share in the responsibility here. However, the U.S. did so much to cause this war and prevent earlier talks to end it, they must be made to seek compromise now. The former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mike Mullen, and the current chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, have both said that it's time for Ukraine to quit this war while they're behind before they get too much further behind. Officials told the Washington Post two months ago that they understand Ukraine cannot win this war. They just want to prolong it a little bit longer before the peace talks. Well, that's just not good enough. They cannot win. They should be talking to end the war now. Now, some of you might be familiar with a study from 2019 put out by the RAND Corporation. It was called Extending Russia, Overextending Russia. It was all about how to provoke Russia into expensive new commitments in Syria, in Central Asia, and including in Ukraine. But the point I want to bring up to you from that RAND study that was pleasantly surprising to me was how often they bring up the importance of public opinion in that study. Well, we would like to do X, but the people of Germany are against it. We'd like to do Y, but the people of France won't stand for it. We think we'd like to push this far, but public opinion polls in America say that the people will not tolerate it. You might not have thought that they cared about what we thought at all, but they do. They know that we have the power to make them stop. So it is up to us, the American people. Our government is risking a nuclear war over a country they're not even willing, so far, to deploy ground troops to. It's madness. We the people demand talks. Negotiate now. End this war. Thank you.
Someone who embodies the courage that everyone in the government, everyone in the military industrial complex needs to show. And that is Ann Wright, because in 2003, in the lead up to the Iraq war, Ann resigned from the State Department. She resigned rather than go along with the Iraq war. That's what, that's the kind of courage we need. The kind of courage that Snowden showed, that so many others have shown, that have stepped down. Ann, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. And it's so good to see all of you out here. It's time to end these goddamn wars. And it's also time to free Julian Assange. Free Julian. And on April 11th, right here in Washington, D.C., is going to be another great, great event to free Julian Assange. So if you live here, be looking out for the announcement of where it's going to be. If you don't live here... We'll get to you somehow. Anyway, um, my name's Ann Wright. I'm a retired Army colonel, 29 years. No, stay right up here. 29 years. Julian would be proud of us. His family's proud of us to making sure that we remember him as a truth teller, a truth teller on all sorts of issues. And one of them was the Iraq War that I resigned over almost 20 years ago next month. I was one of three diplomats that resigned in opposition to the war in Iraq. And if I had another resignation to give, I'd give it on this one. Everybody ought to be resigning on these wars. I mean, it's just to think that, that all these nations say it's our national security, therefore we have to invade and kill other people. It's just plain wrong. It's plain wrong. And if you look at other things that are going on, I live in Hawaii. And that's halfway to China, and guess what's going on there? The provocations that the U.S. government is doing on China. We need to be protesting that. Let's prevent that war. We were unable, unable to prevent this war that's going on in Ukraine. So we got a lot of work to do. There are lots of there are lots of countries that are saying we don't want to have this war going on because we know what can happen. It can be a, a war that starts over the whole world. I mean, the use of nuclear weapons, it's already been talked about. When the elephants are stomping around, it's the little people that get hurt. And it's all us little people all over the world that get hurt unless we can get this thing stopped. So the reason we're here is saying that there need to be negotiations. I mean, there needs to be talk. There needs to be dialogue. It sounds kind of simple. It's kind of like school, isn't it? You know, when the bullies start pestering people, you have to sit them down and let's talk this thing out. So, what can you do to do to help this happen? Well, if you're going to be in town on Tuesday, you can join us at the U.S. Congress to go after our Congress people that are just as big a warmongers as every one of these administrations, presidential administrations. It doesn't matter whether it's a Republican or Democrat administration, they're all for war. They're all for the merchants of death to give them money their campaigns going. So if you're in town at 9.30 on Tuesday, join us over at the Rayburn building and we will go to the offices of a lot of Congress people. So please join us there and at the end of this I will just say no more war! No more war! No more war! No more war! Thank you very much! I wish uh, Edward right, Snowden were here. Moscow, Ed. We've got someone here.
someone who I'm Peace. sure most of you know, and that is host of the Combo Couch, Pasta Jardula. Pasta, it's yours. Take it away, man. Yo, let's give it up for Nick Prada and Angela for putting this on. And let's go with the flow. Free Julian Assange. Free Julian Assange. Say it again. Free Julian Assange. All right, before we get started, I need everybody to take their phone out really quickly and uh, mark yourself safe from a Chinese spy balloon. Could you do that real quick? Go ahead there. So, who knows about General Smedley Butler out here? I can't believe nobody's even mentioned him today. War is a racket. He gave a speech almost 90 years ago, and uh, General Smedley Butler was a senior Marine Corps officer who fought both the Mexican Revolutionary War and World War I. At the time of his death, Butler was the most decorated Marine in U.S. history. During his 34-year career, he participated in military actions in the Philippines, China, Central America, the Caribbean and France, but later in his years, Butler became an outspoken critic of the wars and their consequences. In 1935, he gave this beautiful speech called War is a Racket. I'm just going to read the first paragraph. It says, War is a racket. It has always been. It is possibly the oldest and easiest, most profitable, surely the most vicious, it is the only one international in scope. It is the only one which profits are reckoned in dollars and losses in lives. A racket can be best described as something that is not what it seems to the majority of people. It is only a small inside group that knows what it's about. It is conducted for the benefit of the very few and at the expense of the many. Out of war, Few people make huge fortunes. And the crazy thing is, is it's the same today as it was back then. War is still a racket. As it was a racket in Vietnam, when the government lied to us about the Gulf of Tonkin. False flags incite and appear to justify war. Don't be fooled, they're still doing it today. But companies like Dow Chemical made millions Producing, producing dangerous gases used to suffocate and kill the women and children of Vietnam, destroy their agriculture and their civilization. Has anybody ever heard of napalm? Dow Chemical. And did I mention that all wars are bankers' wars? Let me hear you say it. All wars are bankers' wars. All wars are bankers' wars. And war is still a racket. As it was in Nicaragua when the CIA conducted a civil war by selling crack cocaine in the United States that killed black people at home and brown people in Latin America. The prison industrial complex exploded. It's increased almost 700% since the 1970s with mandatory minimums. Tell me, is war still a racket? And did I also mention that all wars are bankers' wars? You're damn straight over there. And war is still a racket. The same way it was in Iraq. When people refused to, to, to deal with the fact that Saddam did not have chemicals or weapons. Okay? One man tried to stop the war, but it didn't happen. So I say, all wars are still bankers' wars. Are they not? Yeah.
you're damn straight. Now the first thing we have to do is realize that we have no friends here in Washington. For we have a Congress that is more like professional wrestling. The Democrats. And no, let me say this much, they are not the lesser of two evils. These parties, they appear to be oppositions, but they're really not. And what are the Democrats? They are the, let's send weapons to Ukraine Democrats, the let's invade Haiti Democrats, the let's sanction the hell out of Syria Democrats, the, oh, I like this one, the we came, we saw, he died Democrats. <laughs> they're also, the CIA and the FBI are now the good guy Democrats. Basically, they are the Trump derangement syndrome Democrats. In other words, they're just the synthetic left. And the Republicans. Hey, Brady, synthetic really left. You hear that? Synthetic really? left. I mean, let's not forget that this Ukraine war wouldn't have started if it wasn't for Lindsey Graham and Mitch McConnell going to Ukraine in 2016 and then talking to Nazis to go invade the Donbass. Mitch McConnell was just seeing Zelensky last year in a delegation with the Republicans. Let's not forget, they're also the Afghan war and the Iraq war Republicans. Let's sanction the hell of the Nicaraguans, Venezuela, and Cuba because they're socialist Republicans. The let's take on China because of a balloon Republicans. They are, in essence, this, we still remember who you are, Republicans. And yes, Matt Gates is now floating a bill out there to end the Ukraine war, and that's great. You want to end war? Tobias, you want so to uh, talk uh, uh, later? Frankly, After I think it's a little bit too late because almost a quarter of a million people are dead. But let me just say this to the, uh, the Republicans out there right now. Don't think for one second, for one second, we're, we're going to let you defund a war in Kiev against Moscow and then take that money over to Taiwan and start another proxy war <laughs> with Beijing. It's not going to happen. Did I mention that all wars are bankers' wars? Let me hear you say it. All wars are bankers' wars. So here's my speech. It's all messed up as the wind is blowing. But let me just finish up with this. Let's just ditch it. So this is the hard part, right? We understand what we're up against. We understand that we have no friends here in Washington. So what do we do? What do we do? This hasn't been the first time this has happened before. They had major protests against the Iraq war. They had major protests against Vietnam. But yet, we're back to where we started from. And I know it's kind of trite to say, hey, we gotta come together, but we must. The ruling class has definitely separated us. They got us fighting against each other. So all we can do is get in there and get dirty and have some robust discourse. We gotta cancel, cancel culture. We gotta forget about our isms and talk. We can't play red team, blue team anymore, because if we do, we'll surely die. So I just wanna say thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak here today. Remember that all wars are bankers' wars, and let's do the work. Let's come together, Let's love, let's fight back, and let's rage against the war machine. Thank you all so much.
so much. Thank you for that energy and that strong message. Up next, we have investigative journalist Wyatt Reed. Thanks so much for being here with us. Thank you. Thank you so much. What an incredible crowd. You know, it's a beautiful thing to see so many people from so many different walks of life unite today to come out and say it's time for Washington to stop prolonging this war in Ukraine. And it's such an honor to speak alongside so many incredible anti-war figures, people like Dennis Kucinich, Ron Paul, people who've been, yeah, let's hear it for him. These are people who've been working to bring an end to endless war since before I was born. And today we're here to make sure our kids don't have to do the same thing tomorrow. The thing about war is that in America sometimes it can seem so abstract to us, like it could never hit home here. But it can, and it does. You know, I grew up in southwest Virginia down the river from the Radford Arsenal where all the propellants used in American rockets and artillery shells are produced. And every month they burn the explosive waste and they dump that sludge into the new river. So when I grew up, we just got used to the fish in the river with tumors that were bigger than their heads. We got used to our dad's buddies dying in unexplained explosions. We got used to our friends getting thyroid cancer in their late 20s. And it wasn't until I saw this war in Ukraine up close and I was on the receiving end of these American shells that we are killing our own people at home to produce that it came full circle for me. Thank you. When I was asked to speak today, I knew immediately what I wanted to talk about, and that's the time I spent reporting from the Donbass recently. Because for close to a month, I got a chance to see and experience for myself exactly what those people have been going through, and not just since last February, but for nine whole years. Nearly 15,000 people in these autonomous regions were killed before Russia got directly involved in this war last February. Now since then, hundreds more civilians have been killed there as the Zelensky regime stepped up its bombing of the Donetsk and Lugansk republics, intentionally targeting civilian areas and residential buildings in what I can only describe as state terrorism. I don't say this lightly. But it's the only conclusion I can draw after seeing the reality on the ground up close. I say that because within two hours of arriving in downtown Donetsk, I watched firsthand as my hotel was hit in an artillery strike a hundred yards directly in front of me. With what I later found out was a NATO standard 155 millimeter shell launched by Ukrainian militants. I say it because I was able to get access to frontline towns and interview those who survived the occupation of their towns by the hyper-violent nationalists, groups with names like Azov, Adar, Right Sector, groups that were universally acknowledged as Nazis 
until last year. That's right. Nobody I spoke with who survived their reign of terror described them as liberators. Instead, they used words like fascists, killers, brutes. I say state terror because of Natalia, the 68-year-old babushka I met who was left crippled when the Ukrainian military bombed her apartment with a U.S.-built HIMARS rocket. With no cell service, she told me she looks up at the faded photos of her children on the walls of her ruined apartment and tells them to look at what's become of her life. We asked her what she thought of Americans, knowing we supplied the Ukrainian militants with those bombs. She said, they must be beasts. They must not be human. They must have no heart. And I wished so badly that I could tell her otherwise, but how could I? Well, I'm looking out at this crowd today, and now I think I can. Finally, Americans are uniting to say enough is enough. Yes. If you think lives like Natalia's matter too, if you think it's time to put an end to Ukrainian boys and men getting slaughtered after being conscripted at gunpoint, if you think it's time to stop sacrificing hundreds of thousands of lives to try to overthrow the Russian government and send a message to China, that it's time to stop the endless escalations towards all-out nuclear war, then it's time to stand up. It's time to stand with the people of the Donbass. Stand with the other Ukrainians too. The Russian speakers in the East who are banned from mainstream media airwaves, who've been systematically silenced and erased since the US-backed coup in 2014. So spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your member of Congress, stop pouring gas on the fire. Stop sabotaging the peace deals. Not a single penny more for these war criminals. Let's have peace for the people of Donbass. It's time for negotiations, not nuclear weapons. Thank you. So just so everybody knows, of course, and I think everybody does, after this, we're not just going to deliver the anti-war message here, we're going to march to the White House. Woo! But first, we have a long-time staple of the anti-war movement, long-time anti-war activist, and that is David Swanson. He is the co-founder and executive director of World Beyond War, David Swanson. Thank you, Nick. I want to say thank you to everybody here today, and especially to those of you who have been here to oppose every war, or who are now committed to opposing every war. This Lincoln Memorial glorifies a war of long ago. And it really doesn't matter what our various opinions are on the wisdom of the U.S. having used war, unlike much of the rest of the world, as a tool against slavery. As long as today, state after state is removing the exception that allows slavery as punishment for a crime simply by passing legislation without first picking out some big fields and slaughtering lots of people. I haven't read 
a single proposal to end mass incarceration that says the first step should be mass murder and leveling cities, and the second step, banning mass incarceration. Today, we know enough to jump straight to the useful goal without using it to justify war. Today, we have more effective tools than war to bring about change. Like it or not, we have progressed somewhat, but only somewhat. It is always nice to have new people oppose a new war, but sad to see people who opposed a past war support a new one. Because if we ever, ever want to mobilize the activism required to defund the most expensive and destructive institution ever created, the U.S. military, we will have to come to an understanding that the problem is not any particular war. The problem is not any side of any particular war. The problem, the only thing we should be calling an enemy, is the very idea that there can be a right side in the toxic tango of organized mass murder that is every war. I'm not here to demand that the U.S. stop arming Ukraine in order to aid me or those near me. The money, buying the weapons to ship to Ukraine and to prepare for yet more wars, is making Ukraine worse off, not better, while risking nuclear apocalypse for us all, and could instead, if spent wisely, be a major benefit not just to this country, but to the world. The U.S. government is blocking peace in Ukraine and telling you that it is only Ukraine demanding that the war go on, but you're not falling for that, are you? The massive rallies of 40 years ago against nuclear weapons disappeared, along with mo most of the weapons. But enough weapons remained to end life on Earth, and the risk of that is rising. And the only way out of it, the only way out of it, is the abolition of war and of nuclear weapons. I know, I know, that supporters of war believe against all evidence, but in line with everything this culture tells them, that war is a wise tool for defense, a belief on which limits are not easily imposed. Everyone is supposed to be welcome to believe whatever they want. But just as with climate denial, denial of the superior power of nonviolence is a belief that will end all other beliefs by ending all life. Our luck cannot hold out. If the nuclear weapons do not get us, the environmental destruction exacerbated by war and the lack of global cooperation impeded by war will. Meanwhile, war fuels bigotry justifies secrecy, proliferates violence and weaponry and corrodes our culture, conflating disagreement with murderous enmity. War thinking makes even looking at the facts of nonviolent activism seem like some sort of shameful betrayal. But our choice remains, as when Dr. King said it, between nonviolence and non-existence. Any world we can hope for, for our children and grandchildren, is a world beyond war.
a world perfectly possible if we choose it, in which governments behave with the minimal decency we expect of preschoolers, a world in which we don't litter this new Roman forum with marble celebrations and phallic eyesores glorifying the greatest orgies of mass murder, but in which we model and praise generosity, humility, understanding, and self-sacrifice without violence. A world we will only get if we place ourselves in the way of business as usual in this town. I leave you with these goals. Russia, out of Ukraine. NATO, out of existence. The war machine, abolished. Peace on our planet. Thank you, David. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, now we got a word about what comes next. Y'all ready? Okay. All right, so we have someone here, and I'm going to call him up. Jose, wherever you are, come up and join us, man. Jose Vega. Who's heard of Jose Vega? Yeah, that's right. Viral videos disrupting AOC, you know, calling her out at her town hall, all these other politicians, Biden, Obama. So guess what? We need a lot more of that. So that's what's going to come next. Jose is going to help us train people for that. And we got more coming up. Angela's going to talk a little bit about it, too. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be getting ready to go and protest at our congressional representatives' offices. We're going to train you with the help of Jose here so that you can go out and help us affect meaningful change and actually get some bills passed and get some things repealed so that we can get out of this mis miserable hell machine. Um, my walkie's going off. <laughs> All right. So what we're going to be doing in a few weeks from now is we're all here in D.C. now, but we're all going to go back to our congressional districts after this. We're going to go back home, and what we're going to do is we're going to do sit-ins. We're going to have another day of action, but it's going to be back where all of you are. So we're going to do a day of action where everybody's going to go to their member of Congress's their either their home or their congressional district office. You're going to do a sit-in, you're going to protest there, and we're going to bring it because the war is something that has been brought to our house, hasn't it? We can't avoid the war. We didn't get a vote. None of us voted to start this war, to start a third world war. None of us are cheering for a nuclear war. That's not our choice. Well, they need to feel that. So we're going to bring it right there. And so get ready for that. More coming from that in the next few days. Turning it over to Jose now for a couple minutes. Okay. Hi, all. Can we hear from Nick and Angela? For putting this together, yeah. I'm really happy to see all of your faces here. And I also want to give thanks to Diane Sayre. She ran against uh, Killer Chuck Schumer, and I worked on her campaign. And you know, people always ask me, like, how do you, how do you just start doing it? How do you just stand up and start going after politicians? Well, the truth is, I'm an American citizen. And I know what that means. You know, there's an old saying that goes, know where you stand, and then stand there. And where are we standing today? A hundred years ago, this Lincoln Memorial was constructed. And inside, there's a sentence from the Lincoln's uh, Gettysburg Address, which says, 
that we highly resolve that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. But how do you actually do that? My answer is we have to be that free government that we intend to preserve, to improve, or to create. We, not our elected representatives, are the fourth branch of government. We are not congressmen, we are not judges, we are not the executive branch, we are more than that. We are the people. We are not a political party, we are the people. And we have the responsibility not to be divided in the face of injustice. What we do in America affects the whole world. So why are we the people doing nothing to stop our unjust wars? The bankers of Wall Street, City of London, the bank, the bank rollers, and the war profiteers hate you, us, as much as they hate Vladimir Putin or Xi Jinping, and maybe more. Judge them by their deeds. And if you don't believe me, look at our cities. They are in, they're destroyed. And it's even worse now. You know, I'm from the Bronx in New York City, and we used to say it's burning. But look what's happening in Ohio. It's burning down too. Will you, the people, rise up to stop it? And so to close, I would like to say that we have to listen to other nations and reject the idea that war is a form of diplomacy. Martin Luther King, who spoke here and is with us here on the Mall, made the point that there is such a thing as being too late. It is not yet too late, but only if we, we unite above party, ideology, and personality. We have to establish principles for a new strategic and development architecture that treats all nations equally. And only when we remember that we are the people, that we have the responsibility to reverse injustice, foreign and domestic, Will we create something better, a more perfect union? If we do our job, we will be the government that we and the whole world wants to see. So let's get to it. All right, way to go, Jose Vega. All right. Next up, we have journalist at the Gray Zone, Anya Parampil. looking out at it. Look how lovely everything is around us. We have a beautiful day. If only all this were used for good instead of evil right here in the heart of the empire. Look at it. Did anyone come here to D.C. in order to get here? Did they cross state lines? Great. I love to see that because the whole point of this is to overcome barriers, not just ideological barriers or physical barriers as well, to come together and say that we're tired of this war, as many of the speakers have mentioned before me. So I'm honored to, to be here. I want to, as others have, emphasize how inspiring it is to see former presidential candidates, four of them, Dr. Jill Stein, Tulsi Gabbard, Ron Paul, and Dennis Kucinich. They each have their own flavor, but they all decided to show up today because they recognize that even though they be 
each come from something different, we don't always get the opportunity to come together and show what this country is actually about, which is what I see in front of me today. I'm also disappointed that there are some people who couldn't share the stage with me today. Is Scott Ritter in the audience? someone who knows what it feels like to risk and lose everything and he did it in order to stand up to the greatest humanitarian catastrophe so far this century, the Iraq War. So thank you, Scott. Unfortunately, even though she's back here with us, you know her and love her. I do too. Mickey Benjamin, the legend of the anti-war movement. because I understand what she's up against, but what I do reject are the individuals and the groups who instead of asking to be a part of this or working with us, having a conversation, they invested all their time into attacking us, smearing us, in the most cynical way. And the reality is, building an anti-war movement is not about building anybody's personal vanity political project. It's not about building even necessarily individual parties. It's putting all of that together over the one umbrella of ending the war. We don't get, we don't have the luxury in the grassroots when we're fighting for something to say that uh, we want to play clubhouse politics and that we want to sit in the same houses, talk to the same people that we've been talking to for, in some cases, decades, other cases, years, and everybody thinks the same, everybody looks the same. That's not fun, that's not growth, and that's definitely not building a movement. So I actually think it's great that people can come together and discuss areas where they disagree. And, you know, we can debate whether or not Teenage girls should have to share locker rooms or compete in athletics against biological males another time. Because the reality is, if the people who run this country right now continue down this path, those other questions aren't even going to matter. They're not going to matter. We all know the stakes of this war. And our job in the grassroots is to understand the stakes of the war and communicate to the people the stakes of the war and the cost of the war. And I mean all the U.S. people, regardless of what they believe in on other issues, we are all affected by this, not just in terms of the taxpayer dollar cost. I mean, we should be communicating to people that the price of gas at the pump, the price of the food they're buying right now, is all tied to this war. You think sanctioning Russia's oil means that Russia's not going to make money off their oil? No, it just means we're sanctioning ourselves, not able to buy that oil, and then suddenly the price of oil goes up. I wonder why that is. So, it's about communicating the stakes and the real cost to people who might see the war itself as abstract, but it is also, I think, about being serious about what we're actually living through right now. I hear a lot of people talk about the lead-up to World War III, and that's what we're experiencing right now. Hello. 
<laughs> I would actually argue that we're already living through World War III because the world war that we are going to experience, that we are experiencing in our generation is not it's of the same nature as the world wars past. There's not trenches. The nature of things, the war is different. The battle is different. It's a hybrid war. They have economic sanctions that they let as part of this war. They wage a media war for your mind now, not just on the television, but through social media as well. And there's a proxy war. There's a covert aspect, which is what we're seeing play out in Ukraine. Don't think for a minute that it's a war between Ukraine and Russia. It's a war between the United States and Russia. And our leaders openly say it. You've heard them all. The biggest cheerleaders of sending more war to the front line in Ukraine always make this really odd point. They say, no, it actually is a good investment because we can give them the money and they'll fight the war and we don't have to. Haven't you heard that? You've heard them say it over and over again. I heard Hillary Clinton say it. I hear Lindsey Graham make it. And the people who say that, they are so demented because they are openly stating that their whole vision for the war is dependent on their ability to send every last Ukrainian father, son, brother, friend, onto the front line. They are happy to fight to the death of the last Ukrainian, the United States is. And so standing here and organizing something like this is actually the real way to stand up for Ukrainian lives because the war, they're the ones suffering the most. And so that's why it is up to us to be serious about communicating the stakes and the costs and just to point out one more time that the same system that is responsible for the train derailment in Ohio where a corporation and the government basically now have nuked an entire U.S. city is the same system that blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline creating the greatest environmental catastrophe of my lifetime. It's a corporate oligarchical system it's a militarist system, it's evil and it's rotten to the core, and when we are clear about those objectives and about the stakes, it's not so hard to put away our differences and to come together and rage against the war machine. So thank you all for doing it, thank you for letting me speak, thank you to Nick and Angela once again, and no more war! Okay, now we have a little teaser for you. Up next, we have Daniel McAdams, co-host of the Ron Paul Liberty Report and director of the Ron Paul Institute. Thank you so much for being here with us. They lie. Say it with me. They lie. They lie. 20 years ago this month, Colin Powell went to the United Nations and delivered a pack of lies that got us into the, one of the worst wars in history. A million people died because of the lies told by Colin Powell and the neocons. 
White House, Capitol, State Department, Pentagon, CIA. This is the axis of evil war of lies. Saddam ripped babies from incubators. Gaddafi handing out Viagra. Assad gasses on people. Putin losing badly, but about to march into Berlin. All wars are lies. You're anti-war? That's nice. That's great. But everyone's anti-war. Victoria Newland is anti-war. Lindsey Graham is anti-war. The ghost of John McCain is anti-war. <laughs> I once met a missile maker. He was anti-war because his missiles were accurate and they reduced collateral damage. It's not enough to be anti-war, as nice as that is. Yes, it must be anti-war propaganda. Because war propaganda greases the wheels of the war machine. We must fight the lies leading to... We must yes. refuse to take part in Hello? the war preparation. Great speakers. Great speakers, yes. Yes, I'm very impressed. Named after the great libertarian anti-war writer, Lou Rockwell. I like how they followed up the, the woman who, who blamed the system for creating these wars at, with the guy who's saying that just because you're anti-war doesn't mean you're anti-war. Oh, 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 yeah. I know. Just like uh, before the Civil War here, the anti-slavery people actually didn't do anything real. They don't support war. They're just anti-slavery in, so so in their mind, but not in their deeds. Because when you say it, you help the war machine. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad war. this stuff is being brought up at this rally. I'm sorry? Think that so -and -so is a monster. Things are being brought up at this rally with these speakers. Monster. Yeah, they don't want to go to war. I, I, I really enjoy all the speakers. They agree with us. Now, we're proactive. We want to do something about it. They're lazy layabouts. They don't want to do anything about it. So, when you participate in the demonization that the CIA wants you to participate in, the warmongers want you to participate in, you help the war machine move along. The only antidote to their lies is truth. So pray for peace and speak the truth. Movie. Used to always do that in the '90s movies with the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> no. Who came to join us today? I think you know their names: Dennis Kucinich, Tulsi Gabbard, Ron Paul. We're gonna start with Dennis Kucinich, former member of Congress from Ohio. Take it away, Dennis. Thank you, Nick. It's a pleasure to join Ron Paul and Tulsi Gabbard and all the other speakers and all of you at this important event. Brothers and sisters, we gather here this afternoon before this national shrine dedicated to an apostle of healing with the recognition that we are at an epoch of American history, no less fraught than that which was faced by Abraham Lincoln.
but with the knowledge that our nation has survived times of division by invoking the power of spirit. You posted a good definition of capitalism truth. and... And in the words of the prophet good, Isaiah, Brady. through making justice the measuring line. We are here today in painful recognition that our government does not have the capacity to heal the divisions in this nation or the willingness to use the basic science of human relations, sincere diplomacy, to avoid violent conflict and is, in fact, unwilling to end conflict peacefully. Its greatest talent is to craft misinformation and disinformation to subvert the media and misuse it as an instrument to incite fear and hatred among our people, exciting partisan divisions at home through crass politics, and stirring ancient hatreds abroad through lies, deceit, false flag operations, and provocations which profane the very essence of democracy. In blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline, this government has deliberately circumvented Article 1 of the U.S. Constitution, the authority of Congress to make war. It has violated international criminal law by conspiring to commit acts of sabotage and violence on the high seas. It has used illegal and unconstitutional means to destroy the energy resources needed to protect millions of people in Europe during the winter and then to profit from its illegal actions by selling energy to Europe at a four to six times markup. It has done so. It has done so blatantly, cynically, simultaneously taking credit for the destruction of the hey, North Kevin, let the speaker finish. And then denying any role in it. I speak directly to those responsible. Thanks to a courageous journalist, Seymour Hirsch. Thanks to a courageous journalist, Seymour Hirsch. We know. We know what each of you did at the Nord Stream Pipeline, Mr. President, Mr. Secretary of State, Mr. National Security Advisor, and Madam Under Secretary of State, and we will not rest until you are held accountable by Congress, by the International Criminal Court, and by the American people at the next election. For your reprehensible conduct, which has debased our Constitution, undermined the rule of law, in our name, committed an act of war which threatened the peace of the world and the stability of our own nation. No amount of balloon militarism will distract us from your profoundly lawless, reckless conduct. Even intelligent professionals are aghast, are aghast 
at your White House's incompetence and have lost trust in your ability to defend America. Oh, yes, you want to hold Russia to account. That will ultimately be up to the Russian people. But it is up to we, the American people, to hold you to account. To affirm that we are a nation of laws, not of men or women, to hold those in high office to the highest of standards of national and international law. If we fail to do this, we have only ourselves to blame. While our government descends into depravity and tries to frog march us directly into nuclear war. Under the pretense of the pursuit of national security, our government's aggressive nature has alienated nations of the world and caused the withdrawal from commerce with long-term implications for the value of our dollar and our financial security. Our government has ceded our sovereignty in matters of commerce to the World Trade Organization to the detriment of American industry and American workers. It has ceded our national sovereignty in matters of peace to the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, which prefers military escalation to peace and is content, together with this administration, to use the good, courageous people of Ukraine as pawns in a vicious and deadly geopolitical chess game which began well before the illegal Russian invasion. And it is now planning to do for the people of Taiwan what it has done for the people of Ukraine. Portraying China the aggressor while surrounding China with about 200 military bases. At home, our government has supported devastating gain-of-function research which loosed the pandemic across our land. It has perverted social media to suppress legitimate debate over COVID policy to the detriment of the health, welfare, and the will of Americans. And it has enabled the federal government law enforcement to be weaponized against political opponents and has injected itself into social media organizations to impose political and ideological censorship in a manner characteristic of totalitarian rulers, attacking the patriotism of those Americans who dare ask questions. Such a government is neither deserving of the trust of the American people nor worthy of our tacit consent to make decisions in our own interests. This passage from the Declaration of Independence is compelling. Quote, that when any form of government becomes destructive to these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute new government. To alter or to abolish, my friend, Declaration of Independence. You have the right to abolish, to alter or to abolish. Most likely to affect their safety and happiness. We must change this government before it destroys our nation. We must change the way we are governed, insisting upon a government dedicated to peace. And 
that dedication must be to peace at home and abroad. Strength through peace ensures our defense and our readiness by not wasting our resources on ideological warfare. I speak not as a partisan, but as an America, American who believes we are being led to the brink of annihilation by individuals lacking in self-control, obsessed with the exercise of global power, and incapable of invoking the power of nonviolent persuasion. As a congressman, I warned America about going to war after 9-11. I led the effort against the Iraq war together with Ron Paul and saw the lives that took the lives of at least 4,491 American men and women cost this nation more than $3 trillion, laid waste the country of Iraq, killing at least 1 million innocents, all because our leaders lied about Iraq and weapons of mass destruction and provoked great fear across the land. For fear is a weapon of mass destruction. Hatred is a weapon of mass destruction. Our nation used to lead the world in making steel, cars, and ships. Now, we lead the world in making enemies, confusing defense with offense, aiming ourselves to the teeth, spending trillions of dollars to advance an aggressive empire through the promotion of war. But the wars, my dear friends, have come home. While our nation spends $1 trillion every year to prepare for war, millions of Americans are ill-fed, ill-clothed, ill-educated, ill-housed, without hope for the future. We cannot fuel wars across the world and prevent and pretend that there are no consequences. The wars inevitably come home. The carnage is now in the streets of our cities as millions of Americans are overwhelmed by anger, despair, hopelessness, and unrelenting mass violence. America's destiny in its founding was to be the light of the world, a free and independent nation among nations, not a nation above nations, not a military juggernaut roaming the world, conjuring dragons to slay. We were to be and are to be the land of the free, the home of the brave, not continuing locked into fear by a government made of fearful people who are afraid of balloons, <laughs> but instead, they really need to be afraid of the American people as we come to a realization that our government has been turned into a racket by corrupt and competent leaders. This then is a call for an American revival, a revival of courage, of authenticity, of a willingness to participate in the work of rebuilding our nation politically, economically, and spiritually. America longs for a return to government of the people, which focuses on taking care of things here at home. We as a nation cannot hope to favorably influence the conduct of other nations. Well, at least 30 million Americans are food insecure, a half million homeless struggle every day to have a roof over their heads, while American communities do not have clean water, and while our nation has shown itself incapable of even responding to the urgent needs of those affected by the derailment disaster in East Palestine. This government, this government's chilling lack of compassion and empathy is on full display, not only in East Palestine, Ohio, but across the globe. Policies which lack human sympathy portend greater and greater destruction. My fellow Americans, it is time to revive the spirit of America, 
so that each one of us truly believes in the ability of the nation to function for the benefit of all of us. It is time to make real the dream of prosperity for all. It is time to make real the dream of education for all, and health care for all, and jobs for all, retirement security, and safe neighborhoods. It is time to revive the spirit of patriotism, which reflects a daily celebration of freedom where Americans are free from government prying and spying into their personal lives, and where each of us is free to make decisions about our own lives, our own health, and our own beings. It is, time, it is time to revive the spirit of truth, of peace. The scriptures say, blessed are the peacemakers. It is time for America to establish a new role in the world where we demand of our leaders the ability to reconcile with other nations, to make peace with our brothers and sisters. We must coalesce as a nation to seek and to find the underlying unity which binds us as Americans. Love of life binds us. Love of peace binds us. Love of country binds us. Brotherhood and sisterhood binds us. Love of home binds us. Love of church, synagogue, temple, and mosque binds us. Love of work binds us. Love binds us all in a union of hope. And as we revive our oneness as a nation, we proclaim the deeper meaning of our first national motto, E Pluribus Unum, out of many, we are one. It is then we can truly unite with the rest of the world. For human unity is the ultimate truth. We are interconnected and interdependent with people everywhere. And as nations strive for self-sufficiency, so too they must strive for cooperation. It is human unity which will save our planet from destruction and enable us to achieve a heaven on earth. It is the realization that we are, all of us, created equal and entitled, entitled to self-determination and self-fulfillment individually and collectively. My fellow Americans, this our country, this land we love, to whom Americans pledge allegiance, must in turn pledge its allegiance to we the people, allegiance to truth, to one nation, under God, truly with liberty and justice for all. Let us proceed then by these words from Lincoln's second inaugural, with malice towards none, with charity for all, with firmness in the right, as God gives us to see the right. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Up next we have former member of Congress, Tulsi Gabbard. Give her a hand. Aloha. Early one morning on a Saturday, on a beautiful day like today, in January of 2018, over a million people all across the state of Hawaii woke to their cell phones buzzing and ringing, radio alerts blaring, with a message that read, ballistic missile threat inbound to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter, this is not a drill. I and so many others, I happened to be here that morning. I started calling my friends and calling my family, concerned for them and where they were. But just as you here might imagine, if we all got that alert at this moment, 
so too did people all across Hawaii start to ask themselves the question, where is their shelter? Where do I go? Where do I take my children to be safe, knowing that there is an inbound missile to Hawaii with a nuclear warhead and we have just minutes to live? We had college students at the University of Hawaii sprinting across campus trying to figure out where they could possibly go to get shelter. A father who lowered his little girl down a manhole thinking that may be the only place she may be safe and telling her goodbye, I might not see you again. I heard after from a father who had one kid in town on the island of Oahu and another child on the other side of the island and himself in the middle trying to decide which of his children he might spend the last of his minutes with. An impossible decision for any parent to make. Countless others shared their stories of their panic cowering in the bathtub with their kids, trying to understand. They're telling us to seek immediate shelter. Where do we go? And experiencing that harsh reality that was as true for us there in Hawaii in 2018 as it is for us here today. There is no shelter. Our leaders failed us then, and they continue to fail us now. Those people who work in our nation's capital eagerly continue to escalate tensions, eagerly wage new cold wars, understanding that if there's a nuclear attack, yes, they will be okay in their bunkers where they literally have plans to be able to continue to wage wars from their bunkers without any consideration for the rest of us and the destruction and incineration that their wars will cause. This was ultimately the thing that caused me to run for president in 2020 because I saw where our leaders were taking us. I saw the dangers of where this new Cold War and nuclear arms race would eventually lead. Whether intentional or accidental, there is only one destination for such wars, and that is a nuclear holocaust. I made it clear then that this is a central issue of our time, the most important issue facing us in the 21st century, and that there was a clear choice in that election. We're either going to work towards peace, de-escalate tensions, move away from this new Cold War, or we will continue to race rapidly towards nuclear brink, toward a new Cold War with Russia, a new Cold War with China, and therefore racing towards nuclear war. Now, for those of you who remember that election, this issue was not important to the media. They refused to talk about it. They refused to raise the question of debates. There was no other candidate willing to talk about this issue. It was not important to them then, and it's not important to them now. And so here we are, two short years later. What I warned about then is now our reality. This proxy war that we're fighting against Russia right now could turn at any moment into a direct conflict between the United States, NATO, and Russia, a country that has more nuclear weapons than any other in the world. Now, anyone with a little bit of common sense knows that a cold war can very quickly turn to a hot war. And then when you're waging a hot war against a nuclear-armed country, 
It's just a matter of time before it leads to the use of nuclear weapons at any moment. And here's the insanity of it all. We have talking heads on TV, we have politicians, we have very powerful people here in the United States and all around the world speaking with a straight face, well, you know, if we start World War III or when World War III starts, here's how we're going to fight and win. That if Putin decides to use tactical nuclear weapons, here's what we're going to do as though such a war could ever be won. It cannot be won. World War III cannot be won. They're living in this archaic mindset of World War I and World War II and not facing the realities that we have today. There is no way to win a nuclear war. There is only one end, and that is a nuclear holocaust. So we're gathered here today because we know that it doesn't have to be this way. We know that there is a better way and that the task before us is urgent and necessary. We have people gathered here from all over the country, people who are gathered here from all ends of the political spectrum. And if we were to have a conversation, my guess is there may be other things we don't agree on. But the truth is that we could disagree about everything else. Everything else. But the one thing that we do agree on that brings us together here today is that we value life. We want to live. We want our loved ones to live and thrive. We want to be able to go out on a day like today and walk in the trees and hear the birds chirping with the sun shining down on our face. We understand that whatever our differences may be, that we must stand together as people who cherish peace, security, and freedom. We must set aside our differences, work together to fire those warmongering politicians from both political parties who serve their masters in the military-industrial complex instead of serving the people. Those warmongers who carelessly and thoughtlessly are sending us hurtling towards a nuclear holocaust that would destroy all life and the world as we know it. The only way we can stop them is when we stand together and lift our voices in unity, telling them no. We will not let you destroy us. We will not let you destroy our loved ones, our communities, our country, here in the United States and around the world. If we stand together on this one issue, we will be able to wrest the power away from those who don't care about us, those who bend the knee to their overlords in the military-industrial complex, take back that power and ensure that we take those trillions of dollars they are feeding into the war machine and instead dedicate those resources towards peace, prosperity, and freedom. We cannot be free and prosperous or safe unless we are at peace. We are the spark that has the power to light that fire to bring about change. So let that spark of love that exists in every single one of our hearts, that aloha, be that inspiration and that fuel 
that provides us with the courage to fight against these powerful entities, knowing that our cause is just, it is right, and it is necessary. We must work together towards this future in fulfilling and accomplishing this mission of peace. Thank you very much. Aloha. Congresswoman Tulsi Gabbard, give it up for the Congresswoman. All right. Up next, we've got the man, the myth, the legend, the hero of the Liberty Movement, former presidential candidate, and former congressman. Let's give it up for Congressman Dr. Ron Paul. <laughs> no, I was going to say and open up by saying thank you very much. I appreciate the invitation. I like to visit places where I have friends. There are a lot of friends of liberty out here and a lot of friends of peace. So I get energized with coming here. A lot of people give me some credit for coming and helping them along. But the truth is, I get energized. Thank you very much for coming and thank you very much for inviting me. say that uh, we've heard a, a lot of speeches and a lot of opinions and everybody has joined in. I didn't hear anybody saying we need to expand the war. Uh, we're not doing well in, uh, in Ukraine, but we need to take on the Russians. That will go better. Oh, no, we need to go to China. and We're still struggling in Syria. No, nobody's for that. At least I haven't heard them. They didn't get a place. I hope they didn't get a place on the platform for that. So this has been, uh, you, you know, wonderful uh, to uh, come to a place that, that, that comes together on this issue. But the one thing is that uh, I've emphasized over the years when speaking uh, in a couple of campaigns is that... Uh, you know, it's, it's serious, and we just heard this very serious dissertation about how, how serious the problem we deal with. But, you know, with that, understanding how serious this is, my admonition is always come together and have fun. And I understand a lot of people have been having fun today, meeting new people and joining. I think that's great. But, you know, uh, I also came because uh, I've been concerned. I've been really worried about something. And I haven't figured it out yet. I'm not in the technology at all. But I'm, I'm, I want to know more about this thing called artificial intelligence. What, what is that all about? But, you know, I figured it out. I put up with it for 23 years in the Congress. And there was a lot of artificial intelligence over there. Let me tell you. Uh, a lot of innuendos and, and whatnot. But, you know, I wanted to simplify my speech, and, of course, somebody stole my line. But I think that uh, they, we can deal with the war issue very simply. And believe me, and I'll explain it more why I believe this, that the answer is, and the Fed. Yeah. 
friends here. Thank you. <laughs> no, and it, there's a reason why ending the threat, threat is, uh, is a, a movement towards stopping these wars. How do they finance them? They have to tax the people. Well, they tax them with income taxes and, and all kinds of taxes, but they never have enough money. They never have enough money, so uh, they have to borrow a lot of money, and then people get tired borrowing the money and loaning the money to the government. So what do they do? They have this little gimmick called run up the debt and print the money. And you know, if uh, if you're on the side of uh, thinking our government is too big, and as libertarians, we generally think the government's too big all over the place, <laughs> and uh, we'd like we'd like to cut back. So if uh, if you can't print the money and you can't collect the taxes by debasing the currency and stealing the wealth from the people, unnerving the middle class and the poor, because that's who really pays for this. You couldn't have a war. You couldn't have runaway spending. You couldn't have debts. And we should have it in the Constitution, and Jefferson argued for it. He said that uh, you shouldn't even be allowed to have debt. I think that's a pretty good idea. No debt at all. So that is the way they soften it up, and the people go along with it and figure that, yes, we, we can do it, but they don't understand uh, what's happening. But why, why do the people go along with it? And uh, we, we uh, spent a lot of time in, in, over the uh, Mideast Wars trying to stop that war. Uh, I didn't do too well. They still had the war. And it's, uh, it's, it's the, they want, they, they, you, you keep wondering, why, why do they do it? Why does the government do it? It doesn't make any sense. Why do the people go to war? You know, one thing I'd like to suggest is, if we ever got around to thinking that we ought to vote on the wars instead of letting an executive order take us to war, we ought to have a vote. If you think you should have a war, have a vote and make sure that the vote is carried out by the people between 18 and 24. Yeah. That, that is the group that gets punished the most and uh, the others can recreate the war. But, you know, trying to figure still out of that, I thought I'd ask this guy that uh, sort of just helped destroy Germany, uh, Hermann Goering, you remember him? And he has a famous quote out there. Why do the people do it? He, and this was after he was convicted at Nuremberg, you know, that he had some interviews. They said, why, why did the people do it? And he, said, he had two things. He says, one, you got to lie to the people. And they have to be big lies. If they're just routine lies, they won't believe it. But if they're so big and so outrageous, they'll say nobody could believe that's true, and they wouldn't—they'd ignore it. But tell big lies and tell them often, that people will uh, go along uh, with the war. Yeah, but still, why? Why do the people do it? And they march off. And uh, even, a lot of the wars start off. People are against the war, World War Two, and, and certainly the Middle Eastern wars. The people were opposed to it. But you, and this is Goring, and uh, I'll paraphrase, of course. He says, "Scare the living daylights out of the people. Tell them they aren't patriotic and they aren't for peace." And embarrass them, he says it works every time in every system of government in every country. Just scare the living daylights out of people. You know, I think that type of an analysis.
analysis applies to our war, scare the people and patriotism. And I'll bet you there's many people in this audience that have had to be on the receiving end of that type of thing. Oh, you're not for the wars. You're un-American. And uh, they did that once to me in the campaign. And it turned out... It turned out that they were accusing me of being unpatriotic. I wouldn't support the war. You wouldn't support the troops. But when somebody came up with a statistic, it showed that Ron Paul had the most donations from the military. <laughs> and then I got to thinking, well, why should that be a surprise? I was in the military. They sort of drafted me and I was in but the people I knew they were decent people and the draft was on at that time and they, they would say well why uh, why why are you doing this and the draft uh, the draft of course uh, has not been used but there's other ways of doing it you know, the book should be clean we should if we're not for the draft why why do we have registration that they know where every one of us is not not every year where you sign off with taxes. Every minute of the day, they know where every one of us is, and then they still make us go through the ritual of registering in case there's a war going on. You know, it's psychological preparation for people to know that if you want to be a good citizen and you want to be a patriot, you have to go to the wars. And uh, people people go along with that, and uh, they they don't want to be called unpatriotic. And I think we all sense and understand may have some empathy for that, but it's wrong. It's it's deception, and uh, it's it's part of this thing called uh, artificial intelligence. You know, <laughs> they they uh, they come in and they they lie through their teeth. And uh, it, it, it's all art, artificial, but the artificialness of it, uh, you know, is such that what you hear there, it might be disinformation, and they have to twist it, and twist it around. If, if an individual is guilty of uh, disinformation, have you ever noticed they might blame their opposition for doing exactly what they're doing? And, you know, they reverse it. And uh, so there's a lot of fakery. This gets down to the whole issue of uh, seeking truth in the big picture. We seek truth as we come to uh, events like this and when we run for office and we write and talk. And so many people here have their own way of spreading a message. So, uh, yes, that, 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 that is real good. Uh, what we need, though, is uh, some people really understanding the issues because uh, that is what will finally uh, get people to change their minds rather than waiting. You know, one of the lines that uh, was helpful for me in the campaigning, they would say, yeah, Ron, that's okay. We want, we want, we're with you on this. But it's so complicated. Well, how do you stop these wars? And I said... You just marched in, we can just march home. But now I've changed that a little bit. If we shorten that. We have to anticipate. Just don't send them in at all. You know, uh, there's such a fallacy, and this is part of, part of the propaganda thing, that is so necessary, not for patriotic reasons, but, but for other reasons. And, and there was, there's always an excuse. Yeah, the one that annoys me 
the most, or at least close to the most, is this argument. They'll say, we need a good war right now. We're having a recession. Have a war and we'll get out of the recession. And this is a lingering of us foolhardy idea that the World War II got us out of the Great Depression. That's stupid. It wasn't true at all. The Depression got worse. Besides, we sent hundreds of thousands of people over getting shot at and killed. And they said, oh, the war's good. That'll get us out of, out of our Depression. So there's all kinds of excuses like that. And they don't mention the many things that have already been mentioned at this conference. That there's ulterior motives and, uh, you know, like profits. And uh, we're getting... We're, getting too many of these special groups like the military industrial complex we have the pharmaceutical industrial complex the medical industrial complex and the whole work what we need to do is have a people's independence and they're they're the ones who should be looked at and you know another another little rule that i think we should follow is that uh and this is one word i like to narrow down my philosophy you know, the other word that I like is voluntarism. Yeah. It would be a wonderful world to live in that if you apply voluntarism, which is nonviolence, and uh, you have voluntarism, well, what, what, what do you mean? Does that mean you can go to the store and buy what you want? No, voluntary means that everything is done when it involves two groups or two people voluntarily. Both sides have to agree. Otherwise, you avoid it. You can't force anybody to do anything. And you know what would happen? Peace would break out. So therefore, you have to have the hoodlums up there making it so that that, that, that it's not voluntary. And if somebody gets to write a lot of regulations and they get to do all the nonsense they do, and then they bank it, then, then they bankrupt the country. So that's the uh, that that's the problem. I think volunteerism is is uh, just a, a great idea. And uh, the other the other thing is is. Uh, when, when government comes to knocking on your door, uh, that is the tough thing. And they will tell you one reason why they're doing this, because we're on the side of truth and the side of democracy and, uh, and all these things. I work on the assumption of the issue of truth, I think, is very, very important. That's what we're seeking here. That's why you're here. But we know the truth. We I bet, you know, we generally agree with peace is good and war is bad. So we're pretty good on that. But uh, we have to uh, realize that a lot of other people, you know, uh, you, you know, have to say that uh, a, lot, a lot of other people don't, 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 don't know much about it. I uh, have a personal belief that we as individuals also, you know, seek for excellence and virtue. If we accept voluntarism and we accept this promotion of excellence and virtue, what would happen with that? If that happened, the government would be minuscule and they would be much better and maybe a little more virtuous. Thank you very much. is a video sent specially to us by Roger Waters, international rock icon, and right after that, we're going to be marching to the White House. 
We've got two speakers at the White House, too. Welcome! <laughs> Shout, because I'm in Switzerland. Can you hear me? Okay. When I was a young man, my mother once told me this. Roger, throughout your life, you will be faced with many difficult questions and quandaries. My advice to you, when you are, is this. Read, read, read. Listen to all sides of the argument, especially from those you don't always agree with. Research thoroughly. When you have, you will have done all the heavy lifting. The next bit is easy. So what is the next bit, Mum? Then you just do the right thing. The invasion of Ukraine by the Russian Federation was illegal. I condemn it in the strongest possible terms. Also, the Russian invasion of Ukraine was not unprovoked. So I also condemn the provocateurs in the strongest possible terms. So, on behalf of the silent majority, I now address President Biden. Let us be very clear, I speak for the voiceless majority. You, and Anthony Blinken, and Victoria Newland, and Jake Sullivan, and the rest of the warmongering neocons at the heart of government here in Washington, along with the vassal states in NATO, are the principal provocateurs. Yeah. That I mentioned. Yeah. I'm not apologizing for Mr. Putin, you understand. But just a glance fleetingly back at the history of the last 30 years or so, you could have done better. You could have followed President Gorbachev's lead in 1989. You could have kept Secretary of State Baker's promise not to advance NATO one yard closer to the Russian border than the eastern extremities of a reunited Germany. You could have responded to President Putin's overtures in his famous 10th of February 2007 speech at the Security Conference in Munich and shepherded us all towards a much, much safer Europe. Or, in 2008, you could have chosen not to expand NATO eastwards. Or, in 2014, you could have refrained from engineering the illegal maiden coup d'etat in Ukraine. Or, in 2019, you could have supported the Minsk Accords. Now, we're told by Angela Merkel, they were just a ruse to buy time to arm Ukraine for the war that you were engineering. But they were also, that is, the platform that President Zelensky ran on during his presidential campaign. Well, you fooled me, <laughs> President Zelensky. I thought 
you meant all that stuff about ending the civil war in the Donbass and giving Russia, your neighbor, some security assurances. I thought you were coming to your senses. Not a bit of it. In 2022, February, March, and April, you could have told Boris Johnson not to fly to Kiev to scupper the peace negotiations, but you chose not to. And then, in September 2022, according to world-renowned investigative reporter Seymour Hirsch, you blew up the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. If that turns out to be true, a blatant act of war and an extreme act of global terrorism, releasing, as it did, 300,000 tonnes of methane into the atmosphere over the Baltic Sea. First you, Mr. President, boasted openly about your intention and ability to do it, and then recently, Victoria Newland boasts about how pleased she is that it's a, quote, hunk of junk at the bottom of the sea. And Anthony Blinken boasts how perfectly its destruction suits the US imperial agenda. And now, to cap it all off, you have your idiot mouthpiece, Nick Price, deny that the USA had anything to do with it. We have heard no statement from you, Mr. President. There is no mainstream media coverage. I guess you and the mainstream media think Cy Hershey's piece and the mysterious exploding pipeline is just of no interest to the people. Enough is enough. Yes! We demand change. Do the right thing. Implement a ceasefire in Ukraine today. Imagine the collective sigh of relief across the globe. The outpouring of joy. The international joining of voices in harmony, singing an anthem to peace. Imagine John Lennon pumping the air with his fist from beyond the grave. You have finally been heard in the corridors of power. The big, dumb bullets in the schoolyard have agreed to stop playing nuclear chicken. Together, All right, this is it, everybody on stage. Give a chance. To drop the model of perpetual war as their accepted modus operandum. With the power Come on over, life, guys. We will stop them from squandering our precious resources on their walls. We will be able to feed our children and keep them sheltered from the storm. We may even learn to cooperate with all our brothers and sisters of different ethnicities, religions, and nationalities and save this, our beautiful planet home, from destruction. Wouldn't that be nice? Is give peace a chance. All we are saying.
Thank you. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Now we march. Get ready. It's gonna line, line up over here. It's gonna be starting there. It's gonna be going on this side of the reflecting pool to 17th Street up to Pennsylvania Avenue. See you guys on the march. All right, guys. I think I'm gonna skip uh, the march to the uh, to the White House because uh, I have to start a new job tomorrow, first thing, and uh, I need to get back home to uh, get prepared. And uh, so, any comments, any questions, any discussions, uh, Brady? I've made you a moderator. Feel free to take over. All right, if nothing else, I'm just going to quickly recap. Uh, so I did a little segment before this rally. Basically, I consider the lesson, the real lesson from the Vietnam War is never learned. Because the Vietnam War is a pure crime of aggression committed by three different U.S. presidents in violation of the Constitution that requiring any declaration of war, any combat activities must be authorized by the Congress. Now, those presidents include JFK, LBJ, and Nixon. That this is the uh, uh, this is the lesson we never learned from the Vietnam War. The second lesson we never learned is that the Vietnam War is not about communism. Because the Eastern Bloc of the Soviet Union are white nations, white communist nations. The U.S. avoided combat activities against those nations. But they will pick colored nations, such as Vietnam. They believe the Vietnamese are small people. They will run away. That's the only reason... They did it. The John Kennedy once famously said, we choose to fly to the moon because, not because it's easy, but because it is hard. The easy part is, is go to, to have a war with the little Vietnamese. But all three presidents were wrong. They are proven wrong. The thing, uh, the third thing I want to mention uh, is about the Vietnam War Memorial in D.C. The site of that memo uh, Vietnam War Memorial is in a place called the Constitution Gardens, which is very fitting because the designer of that the memorial literally said she intended to make a cut into the earth, a deep, painful cut into the earth. That's the ground called Constitutional Constitution Garden. And that's very fitting, considering three presidents in a row, the commander-in-chief, the top law enforcement officer, knowingly violated the Constitution by engaging U.S. into a combat mission without congressional approval, or fraudulently obtained congressional approval. And the last thing I mentioned about the 
Vietnam War Memorial, which you, you, I bet no one have ever heard, is that the designer of the Vietnam War Memorial, who is a Chinese, got paid $25,000 for her design of the war, of the war. However, a white architect who lost to this Chinese woman during an open competition for the design of the Vietnam Veteran Memorial War, he was able to change the rule of the competition afterwards and force his, his own design of a three soldiers onto the onto the onto the uh, Vietnam Memorial site and it got paid I believe the three hundred fifty uh three hundred fifty thousand dollars which is over ten times of what that Chinese woman uh, uh was awarded. So that just shows you it's always the whites who are has the sole discretion to change the rule of the game in the middle of the game. Change the rule of move the uh, goalpost in the middle of the game. And that is the reality. That is the lesson we have never learned from the Vietnam War. Uh, so I do not have any, anything else to say. And uh, I felt that uh, I've been a thief today because I literally was uh, just using all these great speakers' content for this episode. And I certainly appreciate everybody being here today. I think it's a great Sunday afternoon for everybody who, who, uh, who have been here. And uh, I hope I will see you... Uh, oh, before I forget, just a little plug over for the next episode. As I said, all these wars that the U.S. engaged in is a crime of aggression, meaning the target of this U.S. war effort has never committed a act of aggression against the United States. It is us, the U.S., committed the first act of aggression. In the next episode, I'm going to show, I call it the darkest secret about Rosa Parks. What I'm going to show you guys is that Rosa Parks actually is a victim of a crime of aggression by that bus driver, which is never talked about in any history book, in any mainstream media. And I went to Montgomery, uh, Alabama,